This episode is brought to you in part by the Second Mission Foundation. Second Mission Foundation is a nonprofit organization that exists to educate, elevate, and advocate for members of America's service community in order to help them find their second mission after government service. Second Mission Foundation was started by and for the members of America's service community. That means members of the armed forces, first responders, security contractors, etc. Second Mission Foundation provides these veterans the opportunity for them to tell their stories, reach their goals, and make their voices heard through educational outreach, entrepreneurship support, and community involvement. For everything you should know about Second Mission Foundation, go to secondmissionfoundation.org. That's Second Mission Foundation, all one word, dot org, secondmissionfoundation.org. Profiles in Havoc is a Havoc Journal podcast. The Havoc Journal seeks to serve as the voice of the veteran community through a focus on current affairs and articles of interest to the public in general and the veteran community in particular. Havoc Journal strives to offer timely, current, and informative content. When you go to Havoc Journal, you will read the most articulate, opinionated, thoughtful, and provocative veteran writers writing about the nation, the world, politics, national security, culture, fitness, movies, the list goes on and on and on. Havoc Journal is always expanding, always striving to improve the reader's experience. If you haven't been there yet, check it out at HavocJournal.com. That's Havoc with a K, Journal.com, HavocJournal.com. Mitchell Kaufman is a New York City-based artist. He's painted murals in Maryland and New York. He's done pieces for the Brooklyn Diner in Times Square and the American Wing of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. But what got me to go into the city, go to his studio, and record this episode in person is the fact that he's also responsible for the 25 portraits, oil-on-canvas portraits, in the Ranger Hall of Honor at Hunter Army Airfield in Savannah. And he has a new exhibit that he is dangerously close to wrapping up called Wish You Were Here, which you'll hear us talk about in the episode. And um, it's kind of hard to sum up succinctly. It is, let's call it a 360-degree take on so many aspects of the global war on terror. The faces, the spirit, um, moments in time that are captured, iconic imagery, but done through Mitchell's unique brand of mixing painting, you know, elements of painting, illustration, <clears throat> even abstract together in his pieces. Um, when we recorded this episode, you know, it was at his studio, and Mitchell actually had arranged all the pieces that are complete. They're all done except for one that he's about to start, which will be the final piece. But all the ones that were complete surrounded us while we did the show. So I really don't know what the rest of his studio looks like. I mean, the it, it was um, an overwhelming, immersive experience. And to be fair, that's what Mitchell's creating with his exhibit. <clears throat> I'm very interested to see where this exhibit ends up going. Um, Mitchell's 
connection to the veteran community is not just simply a subject matter. In fact, veterans became the subject matter <clears throat> as kind of a second-order effect of Mitchell's deep friendships with several rangers in Savannah and uh, and I should say a, a one uh, fellow art school student who went on to become a SEAL and Mitchell's own father who is a Vietnam era veteran and an unrequited artist in his own right um, which we will talk about at length in the episode it, it was um, an amazing time talking Mitchell when you meet him <clears throat> uh, it's funny he has the personality type of you know some sort of soft dude you know he's very confident very in shape he loves working out very competitive um and the more i talked to him the more i was like you know this is not that everybody he depicts or every scene he depicts has to do with soft or with the soft world but um i don't think the Ranger Regiment could have picked a better person to do the portraits in their Hall of Honor. And I think his unique take on the GWAT in the Wish You Were Here exhibit is, um, I, I, I think he's a very appropriate choice to capture a lot of that. So I'm very interested to see what happens with his work. I am Christopher Paul Meyer. And this is Mitchell Kaufman's Profile in Havoc. What's up, Mitch? What's up, Chris? How you doing? <laughs> Dude, thanks for doing this, man. Absolutely. No, I mean, seriously, like, uh, that was a, uh, I mean, I guess we had the, pain in the ass of getting the financial district with all the things <laughs> that that entails but dude this is so fucking awesome to be here and thanks for guinea pigging the live my aspect. pleasure it's my pleasure i mean it's like it's not just the camera it's also you got jay here taking pictures and stuff like we've got a whole bunch of moving parts so you just like let us walk in here and i'm grateful for it man thanks yeah. well, welcome to my palatial estate <laughs> <laughs> well i want to get into the art um soonish but I, I guess let's level set to start with. Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Illinois. Okay. Where? Where in Illinois? Buffalo Grove. What's that close to? It's a small suburb. Okay. Yeah. Like Springfield around there? Sure. Chicago? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. So we moved We moved to Florida when I was seven. So okay. my gotcha. memory of living there, it's really small. Gotcha. All I remember is it was really cold all the time uh, for, the, for the most part and going to Cubs games with my dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So you got to do that. Absolutely. Do you remember being really flat? Just a super flat state. <laughs> That's what I always think of Illinois. It's just that in Indiana, just fucking flat. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. I went to high school in St. Louis. So like, that's why I asked about Illinois. Like that means I know like three locations in Illinois, but you know, <laughs> that's that. Uh, okay. So then you moved to Florida. Yep. Where you're seven. What was your dad doing? So my dad was, um, he worked for Toys R Us and he okay. worked in their corporate office. He did payroll for the state of Florida. And then eventually he got really sick and tired of that shit 
Um, so he transitioned back into being a manager for some of their stores. Okay. And um, he never wanted to even do that job in the first place because he studied art in college. And hmm. he, after he was done, he got drafted to go into Vietnam. And then when he got back, he had a hard time getting his footing, you know, finding a, his spot in the art world. So he, he gave up on his dream and um, he started working the corporate job so he could pay bills and provide for his family. All right. So I, I can't let all that go uncommented <laughs> on. Wow. Um, okay. So in art school, did he finish art school before oh, he went to Vietnam? Yeah. yeah he did. So he, was he working as an artist? Yeah, and he worked for a, a gallery as well. Really, but the, the gallery thing—that was more uh, when he got back. He worked. He, okay. you know, he tried to find his footing doing that. Just going on the other side yeah. of the art world. Okay, the business side. Mm -hmm. What was he doing as far as the art? Like, what kind of art was he into? So he studied illustration, okay. and he was an award-winning illustrator too. He got really? um, a certificate. Uh, he got a partial scholarship from the society of illustrators. Like he won this big award. Wow. Um, he did this like funny, uh, watercolor illustration of Joe Namath. Um, yeah. So and that's one of the award. That's yeah. Pretty uh, much what did it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he got to, he got to school and he was, you know, he was working with some really well-known illustrators at the time. Um, there, one of his, one of his mentors was an illustrator for Playboy, like back in the day. Wow. And that's a wow. huge gig. You that was know? a huge gig. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, yeah. a professor and a freelance illustrator. Wow. So, and where was he going to school? What art school was he going uh, to? So the, it was, uh, I can't, I, they changed their name. Okay. And it's not the same name that it used to be anymore. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I, I I'm. I'm drawing a blank. It's all right. On yeah. the off chance anyone would know or care what yeah. the answer was. Fair enough. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I figured I'd throw it out there. If um, if he hadn't gone to Vietnam, what was his career path looking like? Well, he he was trying to be an illustrator. That was his goal. Okay. So, and was he making moves? Or was, I mean, he got the award. Right. But like, was were jobs coming and was money coming a little? <sighs> Not so much. Okay. So dad did illustration and he was also an award-winning trumpet player as well. So he was a musician artist Wow. and you know, he, he grew up in Gary, Indiana. Holy shit. Not, you know, yeah. not the richest place in the world. Right. Um, so they really never had a lot of money, Right. you know? So, uh, when he got the opportunity to go to school, you know, he took it. You gotta do it. Yeah, absolutely. What was his first love trumpet or art? That's a really tough one. Um, I would I would guess the trumpet. Really? Yeah, yeah. And he was playing what big band stuff? Like what was yeah. So he it? yeah, and like the crazy part was dad like he won all of these awards for that stuff, and then when he was in high school, he was also like sneaking out and playing in like uh, like bands with uh, with in bars and like all of these performances oh, wow. as well. Like wow, super duper successful with that stuff, and it just. You know, I, I, I don't know. He, he often told me that, um, he, like his regret was giving up on like his dream. And I grew up with him always telling me to never grow up and be like him. Wow. That sucked to hear all the time. Yeah, that's but, a, that's a way, but man. that's one of my motivating factors for everything I do. Of course. How would it not be? Yeah. And he passed recently, right? Yeah. He, um, he passed away in November. Fuck, dude. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that's a wait. That's a wait. Um, 
people on this show have kind of heard me go into my dad and his unrequited artistry. So that hits a fucking nerve with me. Um, let's talk about his Vietnam experience. So he got drafted mm -hmm. into the army. Yep. And as what, what it was his job. So he went in infantry, but because of his, um, you know, education, uh -huh. he was like an E five sergeant. Uh -huh. So he went through all of the, I, I forgive me. I'm a civilian. I was mm -hmm. never in the military. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know all of this stuff either until recently. Like I found, like my mom has his discharge papers at home. Wow. And he never talked about any of this yeah. shit ever. Yeah. And cause oh, he always acted like everything he did, like he was supposed to do and it wasn't a big deal. And then like, I find his like discharge papers in, um, in a room at my parents. And like, I don't know, he was that high up. Like I, I like in the world of military, like I know E5 isn't the greatest thing or the highest level or whatever, mm -hmm. but like, it's not bottom. It's, it's not the top. Of the army. Yeah. Back in the army. No, so yeah. he, um, he also did like the marksman stuff. Like he had like the ropes on his, um, uniform. Cause okay. he, he went to, he was in Germany and he did like all of the, like the, the marksman training stuff that you, you okay. guys do. Um, so he did, I, I can't remember how it worked back then, and you may not know, but I'm just wondering if he ever said, did he seek out the infantry, or was that just a default setting? I think, I'm pretty sure it was default. Okay, all right. Yeah. So um, so he goes in, he goes to Germany mm -hmm. before Vietnam. Well, it was during. Oh, it was during Yeah, Vietnam. so he was based in Germany. He was based in Germany. Yeah. Okay, do you know where? I, I don't. I, I just... For those of us keeping score at home who love our German bases. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, how long was he there before he pushed out to Vietnam then? No, he didn't. He was in Germany the whole time. Oh, he never pushed mm -hmm. out to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So what did that mean for him? Like, did did he ever talk? Was there ever any sense of like, because that's got to be a weird cognitive dissonance. <sighs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, like I said, he just never really talked about any wow. of this stuff. And it wow. even... When I was, you know, I, I I had started painting these things, it would, it it would like stir stuff up in him, and he would like, you know, randomly like tell me a story, like, oh, you know, this one time I I had to, uh, like he had like guard duty for mm -hmm. for the base, and like you know, he said that you know there was they would get into fights with people, or you know, like certain disagreements that uh, you know he would get into with other people he was there with, because you know at the time like there was such a huge divide of of everything going on in the world. So like disagreements with other guys, with other army guys, army guys, or and, then, German you know, and then German civilians oh, wow. too, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. um, yeah. So the, you know, it was a, it was a Holy complicated shit. time, you know, yeah. there was, it was, it was segregated, I guess, due to lack of better, you know, so there's All the that groups, too. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of things right. going on in the world. And, you know, my dad being where he was from, um, he wasn't a rich guy, <laughs> you know? So he just, he, he was the kind of person that just wanted everybody to like him. He just wanted to get along with everybody. And mm. I've always, like, I feel like I have that too in, in a way. Interesting. But the older I've gotten, I guess the more I've kind of gotten away from that with art. <laughs> like you can't worry about everybody. Like, right. Him. Right. That was one area where my dad and I just kind of didn't see eye to eye. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Low that, yeah, we got to mind some more stuff there in a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Sure. That, that, yeah, that's an interesting digression so when he's there in germany how long is he there for a few years just a few years yeah okay what years were they do you remember uh 
I don't. Okay. 60s or 70s? Yeah, so like to the point like I'm, I'm like basically now just finding out all the details of my father's military like experience. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's fucking crazy, you know? You know, but that's, I mean, not to make this a fucking circle jerk where I just talk about it, how <laughs> awesome we are and why we do it, but I mean, that is part of it is like so many people just, they served, they did stuff, nobody in their family, in their immediate circle has any fucking idea of what that was, no. what that did to them. Right. And then you're kind of picking up the detritus for the rest of your life going, oh, wait, what happened there? Wait, what was that about? Oh, why is this like that? You know? Yeah. That's fucking well. And especially as an artist with the artistic temperament, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, and I'm 43 years old and I don't know my dad's like, you know, experience with right. that stuff. Like, right. cause it was always, like I said, it's, he just wrote it off constantly. It's yeah. like, eh, it's everybody had to do it. Wow. Like, wow. And it wasn't until I got older and I have all these friends now that are like in the military as a career where I'm like, dad, no, it's not, that's not yeah. just, yeah, no. <laughs> well, and in, I mean, and definitely the juxtaposition of being an infantryman drafted, chosen the job or not but you're an infantryman in a time of war and you're in germany yeah and it's like what does that mean and what you know and, and how much of that is just oh well dodge that landmine and how much of it is you know guilt and you know survivor's guilt or just you know some sense of burden you know from that who the fuck knows you know mm -hmm. wow that's a lot when he came back then did you ever get any read on what the disconnect was why it was difficult for him to find his footing the art world is a difficult place and that's basically what it comes down to. Okay. You know, like there's no, we don't have, I mean, I, I know that you know a lot about theater stuff, mm -hmm. right? There's no blueprint for any of us to follow. Right. It's who right. the fuck are you and why does this matter? And the thing that might work for me might not work for right. you. Right. You know, so I can tell you what I did or you can tell me what you did, but you know, it's everyone has their own path. And I don't, and I'm not sure if, I don't know if he had the drive for that part of it to just like keep pushing because, you know, after he had gotten back and he was trying to find his footing, him and my mom got married, you know, and then, you know, they were, they're wanting to have a family too. So there was all of those things that he had to take into consideration yeah. and yeah. the world was a different fucking place than it is now. There was no Instagram, no TikTok, right. none of that right. stuff. So you know, so that was it. So is so he wasn't even doodling on the side like that's Oh it. no, You're he done. did all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. And it was crazy too because the older I got and the commitment that I made to becoming an artist later in life, like he that like like lit his fire again. Really? So like I would come home from breaks from school and you know, all of a sudden there would be all these like watercolors and like drawings everywhere. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Like this, like, yes. You know, like I'm doing the thing that you always told me to do. And I'm so glad that that is, you know, bringing you back into it as well. What happened to all of his stuff? Does you have it? Did he get rid of it? Was he one of those people that just brain dumped all of it and would get rid of it when he was done with it? Or did you did you archive it all? Oh yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. It's we, all there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of those things too. Oh. Like now, you know, uh, my mom doesn't want anybody else to have it sure. and that's fine. Like, sure. I, sure. you know, but there are, there are pieces that his, you know, his brother has, or his sister has, or maybe like another family member has, and I'm glad that they have it because right. that's how you keep keeping this person yeah. alive and yeah. telling their story. 
So now you're born into that, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, were you an artist from an early age or did you oh, have to discover it? Dude, right off the bat. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was never my entire life. This is all I've ever wanted to be. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why, I mean, so what did that? What was the first memory you have? That what was the first significant event with it? <sighs> when I was in elementary school, we had to write a paper about what we wanted to be when we grew up. And uh, I, <laughs> I don't know if you're a, a classic WWF fan or not, but uh, <laughs> I always wanted to be like the Road Warriors. Uh-huh. And I wrote this paper, and I didn't give a shit about the paper. I just wanted to draw the picture. So I had this photograph of Hawk and Animal with the shoulder pads and the face paint and the muscles and all that. And uh, I, I drew it and then I brought it to school. And, you know, it was that time period when you're a little kid, when the teacher hangs up everybody's work, you yeah. know, like in yeah, the yeah. classroom. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget that, like having my work up there. And it's just it's feeling like that's awesome. I was that kid that could draw in class. Like I might, when I was younger, I might not have been the coolest kid cause I didn't right. play sports, right. but, uh, I was the, the kid that could draw and you know, that, that comes with, uh, comes with the responsibility, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. What did you find yourself drawing? Was it more people like yeah. that? Like, well, yes. Uh, like comic book stuff, like okay. Ninja Turtles, like okay. all that kind of stuff that was popular then. Was it narrative? Did you like try to do comic-y kind of stuff or? Yeah, eventually. Because, like I was saying, I, I didn't play sports. I was a really fat kid. Okay. So where I grew up in Florida, it was like if you it was like uh, if you wanted to play football, it was by weight. So if I wanted to play football, I would have had to have played with kids that were like in middle school when I was in <laughs> elementary school. So gotcha. there was that. Yeah. Um. So my dad, um, he he knew I'm stubborn like he is and I'm creative and he knew that there was going to be a point in time where he wasn't going to be able to teach me anymore. So he found me an illustrator to work with. And I grew up going to work with an illustrator on the weekends when everybody else was playing soccer and football and basketball and all that stuff. So but your dad had initially, was he your first art teacher? Mm, he would give me pointers because okay. the, the thing was when I was really young and he would critique me, yeah. I used to get real pissy about it. Like he was yeah. like attacking me yeah. and I'm like, you're never going to like anything. And he's like, no, I'm trying to help you. And I'm, you know, even as a kid, I used to just be real pissy about it. So <laughs> he knew that's why also like why he knew he had to find someone else. Cause I was just going to, you know, yeah. get like that. Yeah. What age was this? I started working with Walter when I was in third Third or fourth grade. Fourth grade. Yeah. Do you still have that stuff? Yeah. Really? Yeah. My mom has it at their house. Wow. Yeah. So and he, wow. he was a, he was an extremely like he was a very decorated illustrator as well. Like he did a lot of stuff. He worked with Don Bluth. He like made oh, some really? postage stamps. Like wow. legit dude. Yeah. What were you learning? What did you, what do you now looking back? Do you realize you learned from him? Holy shit. I've never thought about that before. Um, he, he had the very classic illustrator approach to everything. Um, so we would, I would go to his class. He had a dry erase board. He would get up in front of the, the class and you know, we would just, he would basically ask us what type of, of character did we want to see that day? So 
every time I went there, we would draw and make up like four or five different characters in like an hour from a circle and a stick. And this man would make these amazing like cartoon characters. It was phenomenal. That was an experience I'll never forget. So what did this take away for that? Was it just for opening your imagination or was it technique? Both. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And starting simply. Oh, right. That's, and that's how all of this works now. I've never thought about that. Thanks for well, yeah. No, Holy yeah. Shit, I, mean, that's, uh, it's, I mean, it's to be exposed to somebody like that at that age. I mean, I can't help but leave an imprint. I guess. Um, how long did you work with them? For only a few years. Okay. Yeah. And then, what was next for you artistically? So then, we actually moved to. I was in South Florida at that time, and then we moved to Central Florida because of my dad's job. Okay. And then uh, they tried, my parents tried to find like a, I was in that like shittiest phase of everyone's life of middle school. Right. Like who the fuck moves in eighth grade? That is like the worst. Middle school is the worst, but on top of it, like eighth grade. Uh, um, <laughs> so they found a, a school that I went to outside, like how I worked with this, uh, with Walter. Um, and I did that for a little bit and then high school started. And I jumped right into um, sports and art as well. So I was, I finally got my chance to like play sports. And it wasn't until I was in ninth grade. So, so had you been wanting to play sports the whole time? You just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. What did you want to play? I always wanted to play football and I always wanted to wrestle. And, you know, we, being from Illinois, you're a fucking Bears fan. Like, yeah, that yeah. fan base is insane. Yeah, sure. And so now, did you do it in high school? I did. And uh, my, the high school that I went to was really competitive. Yeah. has a really, like, strong history of, of amazing athletes. And uh, needless to say, I didn't really get much playing time until sure. I was older. Um, and wrestling, I had a little bit better time at um that definitely helped build confidence if anything yeah sure and that's yeah it's a man's sport right there yeah 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 Yeah, absolutely what did that do to your art was it did it put on on the back burner or did it complement it somehow you know it was really weird um the guys on my team i kind of i noticed like they they had a hard time with it at first and then they started seeing some of the stuff I was doing. So, um, yeah, it, it just, I, I guess that, that depended on the person. Um, art was always there, but with some of my friends in high school, it was like, yeah, you're good at this thing, but what are you going to do with that? You know, it was kind of dismissive. Okay. And that fucks with you too, because the type of person I am I'm spiteful, I'm competitive, and, you know, I just, I would hear stuff like that, and I'm like, you know what, fuck you, watch this, you know, like, I'm going to do something with this. Like, I love, I love the yeah, but people. Hmm. I I thrive off of that shit. Interesting. So. And so, what did you find your subject, was your subject matter changing, or was it always the same? It was definitely changing, you know, as you get older, like I'm not, I'm not going to be a 17 year old, you know, drawing the road warriors and the Ninja Turtles. Um, I, my senior year of high school, I had an AP art 
and um, that was really competitive. There were a lot of talented kids in my class, and we had to, for you know, like our our final like work, we had to make a body of cohesive work that told a story. And for me, it was like, I wanted to paint about things that I was afraid of in my future. Huh. And it was, you know, like thinking about that now, it's kind of crazy to look back on. Um, yeah. you know, some of it was playful, but some of it was really serious. Um, at the time, uh, my, my grandfather was really sick and I remember painting like one of the paintings about him and then there was like a painting I did of uh, being a homeless person and, uh, you know, just, just random stuff. Um, wow. so None yeah. of it was abstract, though, right? Because it's all illustrations. The stuff. hand. So the, the painting I did of my grandfather, it was an abstract hand. Oh, so, wow. yeah. And it was big. It was just like a hand going like this, like reaching out to you. Ooh, yeah. So, um yeah, 17 years old. It's kind of yeah. some deep shit for a 17-year-old, yeah, yeah. um, especially for a jock. Well, that can happen, though, <laughs> right? Can, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that shakes something up. Yeah, sure. yeah, right. Um, coming out of – so as you're going into your senior year of high school, what was the next step? What did you think the next step needed to be? I was one of those kids I had no idea really? at okay. all. And, uh, after I graduated high school, I spent some time in community college trying to figure that out because I was fighting this fight, right? Like I was really, really good at this one thing, but I had no idea how I was going to do anything with it, Yeah, you know, yeah. and just constantly like hearing dad's voice, like in my head too, like, don't be like me. So what did that translate to? Did he say, not only don't be like me, but you need to be doing X, Y, and Z? Did he actually lay out what he thought you should be doing? Well, yeah. I mean, they you know, they were trying to uh, like connect me with uh, artists to work with to maybe you know, understand a little bit better because all he could do was tell me like what not to do. You know? oh. He oh. couldn't really tell me like how to be like successful at this because the only person that he really knew was the mentor he had when he was in college. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Kind of dated at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, did you consider, were you still in Central Florida at that point? So the, uh, no, I was now in North Florida. Okay. In Tallahassee. So did you consider just getting out of Dodge altogether and like, let me go to LA, let me go to New York, let me go to Chicago. Let me, did you think about that? Absolutely. So when I got to Tallahassee, I was in school there and then, um, an art school came to make a presentation and my art teacher had just given me a scholarship and she like was really like, she really believed in what I was doing. And she was like, you need to go to this thing and you need to go to this art school and stop wasting your time here. Huh. So I was like, wow. all right. So I went and um, it clicked and it was uh, the Savannah College of Art and Design gotcha. in Savannah, Georgia. And um, I saw the presentation and I was at this time, I was like, I think I just turned 22. So, yeah, clock was fucking ticking. Yeah, right. Um, so I saw the presentation. I went to a visit. And I brought my mom with me. Dad was working, of course. Um, so we went, we went to the, the school, and I was hooked. And I knew. Like, I went there, and I was like, this is where I need to be. There's something about it. Right. Why didn't that click sooner? 
That's a really good question. Because you've been into art. I mean, like that wasn't a surprise that you were into art, right? right? And I and I went on I went on visits to like see art schools when I was a senior in high school because the AP art like program yeah. it really pushes you. And I had to go to a portfolio day in Miami where schools like will will look at your portfolio and you know early accept you or like tell you mm-hmm. like you should apply here because there's a good chance that you you know you would go to this wow. school. And um, I got a lot of positive feedback. My AP score was really high, like the whole thing. And I just was like, uh, I started listening to the fucking people I went to high school with, you know, like that kind of thing. Like it kind of set in. And even, even like some, maybe even some family members as well that didn't really like think that this was a good idea. So. Not your dad, presumably. Of course not. Not my mom either. You know, just like peripheral, like, you know, family members. Um, Then that begs the question, I guess, why weren't there, why wasn't their influence louder in your mind? I mean, when you had your dad going, don't be like me, why didn't that trump anything else of like, Hey, like, even if he doesn't know the specific path, go, Hey motherfucker, you need to go to art school. Like now, like this is what you do. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he did his best to let me know that that was what I needed to do. Like he went on the visits with me to see some of the schools early on. Um, but you know, again, like that whole thing, school's fucking expensive. And if you, you know, uh, art schools yep. are ridiculous, yep. sure. you know, and that was part of it too. Like if, you know, that cost was just, I remember some of those things are just insane. Yeah, I believe it. So there was kind of a natural incentive to maybe find another way to do this. Yeah. Okay. Um, and well, I mean, at the same time also, like, taking on that responsibility as a 18 year old. Yeah. And like, Oh, I yeah. mean, you know, like oh, trying to do the costs and, and yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. but also think about all the people that you've known in your life too, who have said that they're going to do this thing. And then the course changes, right. You know, right. The course changes, but you still owe this money. And at that point it's going to be plus interest as well. So if you like this thing, you better fucking do it. So there's that. And there's all these like factors, you know, like all these things played, played a part but there's i love this like i've never right. loved anything like i love this before and and that really was unchanged from the beginning too is yeah. what it seems like right yeah that's why it's so interesting um i wonder um was there a sense of failure about did you did you were you scared of failure was there a sense of like if i do this i've got a fucking like you go to an art school it's almost the implicit obligation to fucking be something yeah was there, and I'm, I'm projecting a little bit, right. but based on my, like my own dad's experience, um, as a unrequited writer who, you know, when he died, we, uh, we, I had, um, I mean, I slept on top of his novel cause I had a bed with oh. like an empty thing and literally it was, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the actual count was, but it had to be somewhere North of a hundred thousand pages since going back to 1964 that had never been, you know, published, never seen the light of day. And he, that's all he would do. He couldn't sit through a movie. Like we'd be watching a movie at home and he'd get up, go into his room and just start writing by hand on his long yellow legal pads and just writing stuff to work on stories and just story, story, story. And knowing at the end, there's all the same story that he was working on that whole time. Holy so that's shit. So I'm anteing that up. That's where I'm yeah. coming from when I, when yeah. I hear this, but I know for me, I had to overcome that sense of, Hey, no matter how talented you are, how dedicated you are, 
success is not for you. It isn't going to happen because there was just running into a brick wall. So I'm kind of fishing with that. Was there anything of that in your experience where it was like, hey, I'm not sure if there's a path to victory here because art world is hard. And if I really commit to this, is it going to burn me? Is it going to be unrequited? Absolutely. Like that, that, yeah. Because, you know, when you think about it, how many famous artists do you know? Right. You know, successful, like financially successful, I should also add on that too. You know, like to have the audacity, if you would say, I guess, for like a normal person that's coming from not the, you know, the most means. Right. Right. To think that you're going to be in a museum one day or your work is good enough to be in a gallery, that's enough to make some people stop right there. Sure. You know, like, who do you think you are that you could do that, like, that you can hang with this person? Sure. I always had that ridiculous amount of belief in myself, but it's a yeah, but, like, you know, you just, you're 18 years old and maybe you haven't really, uh, you haven't had that, like, that reinforcement you know, and the modeling, right? Yeah. You need somebody to model it for you a little right. bit, right? Yeah. Because even the AP class that I had, you know, there were always the kids that were the good ones, you know, like I was talented, but was I the best kid in that class? No, you know, and in school, there's so much of that bullshit that happens. Yeah. And when you're younger and you don't know that yet and you buy into that shit, right? Right. That can defeat you too, because it's like you, you know that you're good, but you're not as good as that one kid in that class. Well, fuck that kid. Who cares? Right. And I and it wasn't until I went to art school that I really, really realized that. And that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely. Too, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. I'll ask one more question about modeling. Was there anybody? Did you have? Because let's just say the perseverance, the stamina was. Did you did you understand how important that was in the art world to just plug away? Did it was or did you have to learn that on your own? It's so man, it's crazy that you ask that too. Because that was something I had to learn on my own, and it wasn't even through yeah. art either. So my mouth has gotten me in trouble a lot throughout my life because I I have a hard time holding back. That's why I've never been able to have like a real job. When I think something is fucking stupid, I say it or I don't care. Like I just have a hard time with authority. Right. Okay. So when I was playing sports in high school, that's when that stuff really started to like come to the surface. And that was one of the reasons that I didn't get much playing time either is because I would let my coaches know that when they did something that I thought was dumb, I didn't like just bite my tongue. So when I was in 11th grade, I was like, I was dead set on like being a starting like position guy my senior year. Like I was on that track to be Mm -hmm. that dude. And then I decided since I wrestled also, I wanted to lose a bunch of weight, right. To be a different weight class. So I did all that stuff and they, our football coach demanded that we go to off season weight training while we were in wrestling. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. I play football year round. This is like a few months where I'm just going to be a wrestler for right. Right. right, Sure. And he didn't like that. So he like kicked me and like two of my other buddies, like off of the football team going into our senior year. Wow. So I was fucking devastated. I'm like, I just sat the bench for three years to get ready for potentially one year to be a (laughs) decent football player. right? Right. So the summer going into my senior year, 
my, our parents fucking made an uproar about this shit. So the coach had a meeting with us and our parents and told us that if we wanted to get back onto the football team for our senior year, we had to be at school every single morning that summer and we had to run three miles and then we had to lift weights immediately after to make up for all of the training sessions that we missed. Yeah. So that summer I lost almost 40 fucking pounds. Wow. So when I got into my senior year of high school, I was like right at like 180 pounds and I was supposed to play center and I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So that senior year, you know, that shit didn't happen. Yeah, 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 absolutely not. Right. So, but that was the thing that I learned though, was that summer. Cause I, like I said, I was in Florida Yeah. every morning, my buddies and I, we were at the fucking track to run three miles and we had to have a parent with us too, yeah. because they had to check off that we were there doing Holy it. Shit. Luckily enough, one of the guys that went with me, his dad was a runner. So he was going to huh. be running anyway. Wow. So anyway, I lost all that weight, but it was through those three miles every day that I learned, like you get control of this shit no matter what it is, I lost weight and Mm -hmm. I knew then like this shit's going to be hard, but if you stick to something and you follow through it, you're going to get what you fucking want. Yeah. Now I didn't get to be the starting position for the football team, but you know, like I saw transformation. I saw and like, and the way that people treated me in school was completely different too, because I was the fat kid up and then I came back and then I was the kid that was in shape and there, and then it was completely fucking different. Did you ever get out of shape ever again? No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know, I mean, I'm sure as you do, I know kids that were fat when they were little, man, once they lost that weight, that's it. Dude. Locked in. Yeah, that's zeroed it. Zeroed in. That's it. Never happened again. Fucking wild. So now translating all that into your early twenties. Yeah. So you go to art school. Yeah. Um, what was the biggest takeaways from going to art school? What did you learn? Like looking back on it now, was it worth it? Everything that I have right now is because of that decision. Really? Absolutely. I can say that with, there are so many things that changed my life making that decision. It's, I think about it every fucking day. Like it, it's, that's how prominent it is. And any of my friends that I'm super close with, they'll probably tell you that same thing. Like I have a very tight knit group of friend circle. I met all of those guys there. Some of them I played sports with in college with. Um, and basically all of them I met through the gym and my wife, I met through the gym too at school. So, um, yeah, that, that choice to go there, there are so many things that happened when I got there. Like I, I was saying, you know, the, the shitty football story and then, Additionally, like I got sick uh, because of the weight that I lost. And then my senior year of high school, like there were, it was almost three months that I wasn't in school because I had mono because I lost so much weight. I continued to lose weight for, and then like I wanted to wrestle at 171. Okay. So, um, I got, you got mono from the weight loss. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy Um, shit. So, uh, yeah, my wrestling season, it sucked as well. Like I was finally like in a different weight class. Like I wasn't a fat kid anymore, right? you know, and then that whole thing went to shit too. So, wow. 
Yeah. Uh, I left high school athletics with a really, really sour like taste in my mouth for sports. And then I got a second chance when I went to art school because our school had an athletics program. And when I transferred there, yeah, when I transferred there, I had spent those those couple of years after high school doing nothing but fucking lifting weights. And I put on serious fucking size. And when I got to art school, um, I, there was a, it was a big athletics program for, for an art school. There was like swimming, baseball, basketball. I didn't play any of those sports. That wasn't for me. And uh, when I got there, I saw that there was a sign on, a, on the gym door that said that there was an interest meeting for a lacrosse team. So I was like, I could fucking do that. So I, I went to the meeting. Everybody that was at the meeting had played lacrosse <laughs> their entire life. They were all wow. like kids from the Northeast, yeah, Virginia, sure. Maryland, sure. New York, all, you know. Yeah. And um, I was like we used to make fun of lacrosse players when I was in high school. Like I'm from Florida. Like those were the kids that couldn't play football. So I went out and, uh, yeah, man, like my goal was to like go out there. It was kind of like prison mentality, I guess. Like I want to find like the the toughest kid and like lay him out first day. I want everyone to know, like I might not be good at this, but I'm going to show everyone that I'm tough. Right. Yeah. So I did that and, uh, yeah, like it stuck. Um, we were a startup team. We were a club team in the beginning uh-huh. and, um, I earned a spot on there. I saw a guy who was a starter and I was like, I'm going to make this fucking kids living hell every day or this, you know, living hell for this kid every day at practice until I get that starting spot that I know I can earn. And I did that and I eventually became a starter. I was like a team leader. Wow. Um, it was like a check, second chance of being a, an athlete. Is that true for most art schools that they have athletic programs? No way. And yeah, that seems like a big value add yeah, to tremendous. an art school because you need that counterbalance, right? Yeah. Well, and and the thing about it is like it goes again, like one of those things that I saw transition, like progression over over time. We started out as a club program, the school got behind us, and then my last year of undergrad we became a full-fledged varsity sport. Yeah. We got scholarships. Wow. And at the, like my last year, I was a scholarship athlete. So like, you know, wow. that, was, that was checking a box. And you, at the whole time, were you on, were you paying your whole way oh, dude. Up, up until then? Yeah. I, wow. I had student loans out the ass. Holy but, shit. But you know, that was after, you know, college started and I wasn't, I wasn't happy with anything. It's like, all right. I've tried other things. I've tried to do other majors. I've thought about different paths to go down. This shit is not for me. Yeah. I'm going back to what I love to do. And then, wow. you know, I bit the bullet <laughs> with interest. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, just as a thought experiment, what would it, what would have happened if you'd gone the guerrilla route, not gone to art school, come to the city, just tried to f- fucking find an art crowd, fit in, you know, like, and I'm looking at this practically. Like, sure. if you're like, "Hey, I want I want to exercise my talent. I don't want to go broke and get deep into loans with it." What would have happened if you'd done that? Do you think it wouldn't have? Really? Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have because I didn't have. Uh, so that's that's another part of the story from art school. That's my takeaway. What gave me that the balls to do it. Um, because we were a startup lacrosse team, 
and my friends are probably they're so sick and tired of hearing me fucking talk about this but uh <laughs> we, we were, i think there's an instagram reel about former lacrosse players or something yeah like i actually yeah. see now that you yeah. say that yeah, yeah man that's like, funny the because we were a startup program our coach had to be a school employee so he was an illustration professor huh. and okay. since he was an illustration professor he had an office mate who was a painting professor okay and he introduced me to the painting professor when I got into my major courses, which was painting. And that man eventually became my mentor that I worked with outside of school. Nobody could really know about that because, you know, he was my teacher. I was a student. Like, I had a key to his house. He lived wow. like the most romantic, like, imagined artist life you could ever live. He had a tiny television in his bedroom with a DVD player. He didn't even watch TV. His entire life was painting. That's all he did. Wow. Theory, reading, painting, the whole thing. He was, a, he was a New York guy for a long time. He painted murals all over the place. And then he came to Savannah to be a professor. He was sick the whole time, and I didn't know until the very end. But, um, you know, he passed on this legacy for me. You know, I always heard stories about what it was like here. And when you're done with school, you have to go here. This is, you know, the proving ground. And yeah. then after he passed away, I met my wife like a, a couple of months later. And, um, you know, it's just one thing after another. She got an internship up here one summer. And then I got an internship up here one summer. So we came up here. And as soon as you get here, you know the energy that it's got here. Right. It's not like anything else. Right. Until then, I was way too afraid to ever think that New York is somewhere I could ever be. Yeah. Because yeah. growing up in Florida, yeah. like yeah. New York, yeah. who the fuck, like who goes to New York? Right. That place right. is terrifying, you know? Well, and, and that's also, I mean, I say this as a very biased New Yorker, but I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I... I, I do think, and, and there's a downside to this, which I'll, I'll cop to in a second, just so I don't, I don't sound like a completely cocky <laughs> asshole. But I mean, I think, I think New York is the place you come to when you want to be the best in the world at something. Absolutely. Right. And yes. it doesn't matter what it is, restaurants, yep. finance, sport, uh, you know, eh, sports, maybe that's the one exception, but art, certainly, you know, anything in the culture, music, if you want to be the best, then this is where you come. Um, the downside of that is then I do believe New York is as provincial as any, any backwoods, you know, uh, <laughs> place you can find in the world because it has its own biases and its own provincialism <laughs> and all that. What are you talking but, about? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, uh, the, the amount of, the amount of experts you have on, I don't know, New Yorkers are experts on everything, regardless of whether they've done it or been there or not, because they let that hubris follow them. That's my, I'll save that for my New York self-examination episode. Um, anyway, so for you coming here, how quickly, how long did it take you to fit in? I think I'm still trying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let me, I realized as soon as I said that, I was like, that's going to need, yeah, I'm going to need to drill into that a bit more. Um, how long did it take before you felt like you just had your legs under you? Oh shit. Uh, and, and let, oh, let's even go by Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, okay, I've got my lodging, yeah. I've got my food, yeah. you know, like all that, like what was the transition? Like, it's awful. Everyone that comes here has that same shitty story. Like nobody understands what it's like to just 
find a fucking apartment yeah. to move into here. Yeah. Like it's insanity. Yeah. You just can't walk into a building and apply for an apartment and get it. Right. That's not right. how this place works. Yeah. You never talk about that stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can't tell you the, you know, as a guy that again, like going back to the theater stuff, like the amount of jobs that I have had just to be able to do this, people aren't willing to go through that type of shit either. Yeah. Like I could ramble off right off the top of my head, at least 10 different jobs I've had since I've been here. But the thing is like, I don't give a fuck about that stuff because I see the bigger picture. Yeah. I was that kid running those fucking three miles, yeah. you know, like yeah. I've been through shit already. Like it's going to suck for a while until I get where I want to go. Like just put in the fucking work and shut up, you know? How many people did you know who couldn't keep up with the pace? Did you, were you friends with people that were here? You guys kind of bond because oh. you're here initially. And then, Hey, I'm not doing art anymore. Hey, I've left the city. Oh, that's such a, that's a sensitive subject, I yeah, guess sometimes yeah. for some people, but for me, it's not, I mean the competitive thing, like yeah. I love quitters. Yeah. I really do. It's validating. Please. Yeah. Like do you, you want to play this game? I'm not going to quit. Yeah. There's way too many promises I've made. There's way too much shit I've seen. Like, yeah, I love quitters. Um, I don't want to leave art school totally without just drilling into the actual art part. What did you find you were gravitating towards as an artist coming out of art school? You talked about your mentor and the and painting and all that, yeah. but you'd moved, it seems really from illustration to painting really as your primary medium. Is that right? I, I mean, you could say that, but really like my work now, it's, it's all of those things merging together. Yeah. Yeah. Were you finding that though, even then? I was, and that was like, I'm not going to say a conflict, but <clears throat> maybe a, <clears throat> an, an area where my mentor and I, we, we disagreed a little bit because he was just classic, you know, not illustration. Okay. Classic painter. Things need to look a certain way. Um, only soft edges, no hard lines. Is that the big, is that the big border? Is that the boundary it between be. illustration and painting? I mean, it could, lines? It, you know, it depends because there are so many different like styles of painting. Like if you asked uh, like a street artist, like a graffiti guy about stuff right. like that, you know, they can do all of those things. And, and you know, illustration too, because a lot of those guys now they use watercolors and markers and pencils. Right. right. It's yeah. That blur, that line is very blurry. Yeah, I mean, just philosophically, we're, talk about just what, how helpful are labels in the art world for you as an artist? Do you do you recoil at them or do you embrace yes, them? I don't embrace them. Yeah, I fucking hate them because you're putting somebody in a box. Yeah. Like the worst for me is when someone's like, "Oh, you're a portrait painter." No, I'm not. I'm a fucking artist. Like. And the funny thing about it is people are like, what do you get so mad about it for? And, you know, like, I get it from somebody that's not in this, like, it might seem like that because people will look at your, you know, social media stuff and they see one or two things and then they immediately assume like, oh, this guy did this thing. So then he's that. And then a lot of people in the art world too, like advisors and like gallerist type people, like 
when they try to put your work out there, they want to see that it all looks the same so that they can put you in a box to yep. buyers. Sure. Like, sure. Oh, you want, you know, like figurative artists. Oh, I've got your guy. You right. Abstract right. painter. I got your guy. Well, what happens when it's all of this shit together? Then what, you know, how, how big is that? segment of the art population how many people do what you do how many people do you look at and you go oh that's kind of similar to your, or at least you're dabbling in the same areas that i dabble in do you find that to be common or not so much so i guess this is where that whole new york bias thing i've been here for mm -hmm. a while now and i've always kind of had this mentality i don't really look at other people's stuff because mm. quite frankly like i don't care what they do uh. and a lot of people have a hard time with that and when they hear me say that they're like you're kind of a dick and i'm like I'm competitive. Where, <laughs> how does that competition, where does the competition get settled? Is it in your personal estimation of how good your work is? Is it in how much money you can make and how sustainable your life is from it? Like, how, so where does that competitiveness get adjudicated? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. You can't really just put it on one of those. Okay. You know, because there's the whole like self-fulfilling thing. Right. Like I am committed to this thing. My work is unique to me. It's my perspective. And it's when I feel like it's good, you know, now does it help when people buy it? Fucking me. Of course it does. Sure. Like, you know, um, but I don't know. Like if you're, if you're just trying to get people to like you, then you're doing the wrong fucking thing. You know, like, I feel like as soon as you are making art to do that, it's not art anymore. It's decoration. And I'm not a decorator. I'm an artist. There's a huge difference. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask this anyway. <laughs> if, if you went on a three year drought and couldn't sell a fucking piece of art or not, let's not even say three years, let's say five years, seven years, would you question what you were doing? Would you would you be tempted to give it up? Or would you go, fuck it, if I got to get a survival job, I get a survival job, but I'm going to keep churning it out no matter what? Well, since I've already been there, yeah, I already know how this feels. And yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm one of those guys, like I just, I enjoy hard work. And I will, I'm not above any of that shit, like finding one of those like survival jobs. I've right. done a million things, like I said, like, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. Just so that I know that like there's light at the end of the tunnel. When you went through your droughts, which every artist does, um, what were your takeaways? Because I feel like those hard times never leave you where they find you. No, they never leave right? you ever. Yeah. So what, what did you, what leveled up for you? What changed for you because of that? Persistence. I mean, really that's what it all comes down to. Just will. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, you know, it's, that's another thing that I learned here too. Everything is a numbers game, right? Like you just keep shooting your shot. You're not, that's the thing. Like that, it goes back to that. Like you're, what you do, people might, some people might not like it. Some people might fucking hate it. They think you're trash, you know? And then there's somebody that it really resonates with that you, it's a numbers game. You just have to keep shooting your shot constantly. What about your art? Does it, um, looking at it now, how is it different than when you left art school? Uh, yeah. That's weird. Uh, you know, I feel like, 
yo, man, if if anybody like younger person hears this and like is in like art school situation, like I feel like a lot of things that I did in art school are homework projects. They're homework assignments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not this. Sure. You know, you have to you have to go through life, I feel like. That's my personal feeling. That's not the definitive answer for everybody. You have to experience things like in order to to make this kind of stuff. Now, some people I wouldn't say fortunate. Um that's not the right word, but have gone through some shit already right. and can somehow, you know, like some people can get started sooner than others. So when you look at, can you tell, or could a person that didn't know you tell looking at your work when you did a piece based off the technique, based off of themes, based off of anything? Did, is there anything objectively different that you've seen happen over your, with your work? Yeah. The one thing that's, I think you would be able to tell is that because it was in school that, you know, when I made an abstract painting, it was just abstract because it was for a class. When I had to make an illustration, it was an illustration for a drawing class. Okay. You know? Okay. It was just one of the things. Like, this took a while for me to figure out, like, all right, what is all of this going to look like when it's together? There's a lot of, like, process. A lot. And what would talk about that process. So, when you came to the city and you're starting, you start to do your work. Mm-hmm. What are you fucking around with? Are you doing, are you finding yourself doing, Hey, I don't have a lot of room. I'm, I don't have a ton of time. I'm working survival jobs. Do you shrink the scale of the work you're doing? Are you trying to be adventurous and mix and match and, you know, mess with different media and different styles? Like what was your, what was your journey? Yeah. So when I got here, it was again, like starting from nothing. Uh, I knew two people here. One guy I played lacrosse with in college and the other guy was my mentor's brother. Um, so besides those, those guys, pretty much, I didn't know anybody. Um, I was trying to get my foot in the door with anybody that would look at anything I've ever done art wise. And, um, I did like a lot of like events with like nonprofit groups. Okay. And, you know, like their art auctions, you know, like that's one of the things that a lot of people always try to catch somebody on is like, hey, you know, you want to get your name out there, do this charity event. So I did a few and, um, and we'll talk people through it. So art auction, meaning you are not going to make a dime off this. Correct. You're giving away your work because the potential to meet people that you would not otherwise meet who are, you know, financially able to buy art, support art, have leads to other things would be potentially there. Um, all the venues that I had stuff at were all big venues. The events were all big events. It was cool. Um, my wife and I got to go to, you know, flashy things early on. Um, but you know, again, it's like, if you want to sell work at this thing, this is what your work should look like. So I did that for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that because I was, I just finished school. I needed to figure out what I, you know, how to get into these places. So I did that. And, you know, I, I wasn't happy with what was going on. So I fucking stopped and I just started making my own work. What didn't you, first off, what were they asking you to do? Um, just, you know, make something that's not like this, like make something that's, you know, placeable, like make it an abstract painting that somebody would want to put in their living room or make it, you know, like a portrait of 
somebody that somebody would, you know, hang in, in their living room, like that type of stuff, like decoration, you know, and that's fine. Cause it sells quick, but <laughs> does it have a soul? I, I don't think so. And it, and it wasn't scratching your itch for damn sure. No, no, no. What did you, so what did it clarify for you? What did you realize you wanted to be doing? So my mentor, his main lesson that he always taught me above everything else, the story in the work has to be the star above all else. And I never lost focus of that, but I knew, like I said, like if I wanted to get into these places, I had to kind of play the game, right? So over time, um, I try to make the best out of every situation, because that way I don't lose focus as well, right? So I have all these shitty jobs, but along the way I've met some fucking incredible people who have amazing fucking stories. And I use that as a jumping off point for my stuff. Did that initially translate into a lot of straight portraiture or were you immediately trying to pull and extrapolate and move the media around a little bit? Yeah, I like I wanted to do that, but... I always had that battle in my head. Like I'm not interested in just painting a photograph. Yeah. That's lame. You know, like that's the first thing that you learn how to do in school. You know, like when you're painting, I just didn't want to do that. And I knew that I wanted to take it, you know, if I want to, if I want to have a name for myself, like it's got to stand out, it's got to look different. It can't be what, you know, guys were doing or have done a million times already. So, you know, just taking all the things that I learned, my experiences, and uh, here we are. <laughs> if you had to, um, and I'm sure you've been asked to brand yourself mm-hmm. all the time. What does that What does that mean for you then? How do you process that? Like, is there? A, I'm not saying what label do you put on it, although maybe there's that too. But when you go, hey, I know what a Mitchell Kaufman thing is like, and I know what it's not. How do you define that? What are your left and right limits? Mm. That's a good question. What are my... mm. I don't know. You know, it's, I, I always try to challenge myself. It's not the same thing, you know, like I've, cause I've, I've painted, I've worked on some film stuff. Like I've even done like conceptual performance pieces. Like it's just, challenging myself. I I don't really know a good answer for you because it's not going to look the same all the time. Gotcha. It's I'm an artist. That's how I would brand myself. And like people don't like that answer because Because you're on your journey. Cause I'm on it. And this, this is my terms. I am defining this, not you. Yeah. Has the market ever been helpful to you? Has feedback from the market ever mattered or made an impact? where you go, Oh shit, that's actually a good point. Or shit, you know, actually that gives me some guidance or some direction on maybe that yeah, would be nice to sell more things. Is that ever happened? Has that ever been a consideration? I mean, it has to be, like, right. you have, you know, it, I can't dismiss it. Um, but then it's up to me to decide if I agree with it and want to do it or not. How often have you agreed with it? Well, you can probably count on one hand Yeah, <laughs> because it's not authentic, you know? Right. That's making work for, to hang in a frame and target. Like I'm not, like I can't do that. I didn't go to school and do all these things to just be that guy. What was the best piece of feedback you've gotten? Whether from a gallery, gallery owner, the market, what was the best piece that you got? 
No, you mean like criticism or yeah, criticism or or even just um, yeah. I mean, I guess what Churchill say he has a right to criticize who has a heart to help. You know, I mean, <laughs> if there's if there's something like that, you know, if there's something that that um, or even if it wasn't meant to help, but you were like, no oh, shit, that's actually a good point. What was the best piece that anybody's ever or critic? Yeah, any any kind of criticism. Uh, well. <laughs> Early on, I guess when uh, forums, online forums became a thing Mm. and I was in grad school, the conceptual work I was doing, um, I got the attention of um, some some like bodybuilders and uh, muscular development publication magazine. And they posted some of my stuff on there and the fucking just, you know, the the dumpster fire of comments that came about or they made me laugh, but you know, there's also some truth to that stuff too. You know, I don't dismiss criticism. I mean, I had to go through critiques all the time. Like that's part of the game. Like, you know, you just have to understand that some people, like you said, like they're there to help you. And there's some people that are there to break you down. Right. So I, I feel like I, I do a really good job of listening to everything and then determining what to do with it. Cause there were some people on that, that forum that were like this, I'll never forget this. This guy was like, this looks like two rabbits fucking on a canvas. I'm uh, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Cause my, my thesis work, the conceptual stuff was, uh, we, my group of gym friends and I, like we covered these massive like tractor tires that the strong men flip. Yeah. We covered them in paint and flipped them on a canvas to see who could flip their like tire uh, the longest. And it you. was a long performance piece. Uh, wow. And, uh, yeah, like it, some people were like, this is fucking awesome. Um, and then, you know, there's the rabbit humping comment, you know, it just, that's funny. Yeah. Just, yeah. Got it. But that was, I was finishing grad school, so I wasn't gotcha. here yet. Got you. Um, let's just briefly, before we dive into this work, which I want to spend some time with, um, let's talk about the performance pieces, the live art you did the conceptual stuff you're doing, what turned you on the most or was it just whatever's different, whatever you haven't done yet? That was part of it. But after my mentor passed away, um, one of my, one of my other professors was like, okay, man, he's gone now and you are not going to spend the rest of your life painting like him. And it was funny because I've, I've quoted him before. And what he told me, he, you know, I was in his office with him. He's like, you have to be a bastard now and you have to go your own way. He's like, you need, don't forget what he taught you, but you have to do your own thing. And he really pushed me to explore the like athlete artist Avenue. And I didn't want to do it at first. Cause I'm like, dude, this is fucking stupid. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? And then he started showing me examples of other artists who had done it, you know, performance art. Um, what does that mean? The athlete artist is not talk about that. So it's, you know, early on for me, Um, I was really in the like college, I was really into powerlifting and playing lacrosse, which, you know, right off the bat, like you're like that, that does, that's not a thing, dude. Those two worlds are not one. Um, but there is like this masculine thing, I guess you could say that I was always like trying to pursue, um, that not many other artists I don't think were really interested in. Um, and what the definition of like a man artist was, 
So, um, and he knew that I was like super into this stuff and he had me do some performance pieces and classes as like trial runs with like weights. And, uh, one time I had two, <laughs> two of my friends, um, who I'm actually painting about now as well. Um, he was moonlighting as an MMA guy and okay. he was fighting a lot. Hmm. He actually moved to Vegas to pursue a career in it after oh. we were done with art school. Um, oh. I had him and his sparring partner come into class and like unannounced and just beat the piss out of each other. And that was like one of my projects that my teacher pushed me to do. Did you photograph it and then try to take pictures uh, and then try to paint the photographs or did you try to do art live or no? What was it? How did so you process that? With that class, it was a performance art class. Okay. That was like, it was okay. performance art. All so, right. There weren't any paintings that came about from it. Okay. Um, but it was it was a fun experience. And it, it was literally just them just going at it. That, that was, was just, it. that was just one piece. Okay. Because right. then there was another piece where a teammate and I we we got a tiny like performance space within the building because they had these like tiny rooms. Yeah. That you could use for like weird shit that you wanted to do, like yeah. exploratory things. Yeah. And we brought like the the heavy dumbbells from the gym, and there was audio from pumping iron, like where yeah. Arnold's talking about yeah. coming, like the pump and all that stuff. And um, you know, we did this whole like lifting till failure performance piece in my class. And interesting, you know, yeah. So I, I I mean I didn't want to put my thumb on the scale and make jump to conclusions. <laughs> But it feels like from the moment you talked about drawing the road warriors. Yeah. Like you you have been drawn to hyper masculine right archetypes, I guess. In a lot of ways, right? Yeah. I mean I can't say no either because you look at this table and there's action figures from when I was <laughs> right. a kid, so kind of shooting myself in the foot. But yeah. So I mean I guess that's as good a segue as any into some pretty hyper masculine type dudes here when we go to Ranger Bat, right? Yeah. In the regiment. So how did this come about? So the whole military thing came about in my transition from undergrad to grad school. The work I did with the lacrosse team, um, it earned me a scholarship for grad school. Mm -hmm. The strength coach from the college approached me and said, I need a graduate assistant. There, the school is finally letting me have one. Would you want to be the first person to do it? And I was like, I got this fucking debt from undergrad. Sure. This is another avenue for me to go down if, you know, I need to. And on top of all of this, on a resume, I get to put I was a college-level coach. Let's fucking do it. So I did it. And uh, <clears throat> when I got into grad school, you know, obviously my roommates, teammates that I came up with in undergrad, they were all gone. So, um, I was coach Kaufman now, which is fucking weird to even say to this day. Wow. Um, and, uh, I had to find a new workout partner at school cause they were all gone. And, uh, there was this one dude that I had seen for years at this point in the gym all the time. He was a skinny kid that played soccer and he was always in there like doing incline dumbbell press. Like some fucking guys just are drawn to doing just the same shit all the time. Right. And uh, my strength coach was always pushing me. He's like, Coach Kaufman, you got to talk to Zach. 
Zach needs a workout partner. And I was like, you mean that fucking skinny kid that played soccer? Fuck that kid. Like, I don't want to talk to him. And, um, you know, I had like the, the ego, like I was the fucking like the, right. the, the strong athlete at the school, at an art school, whatever that means. And, um, I fought this forever and I was like, fuck, there's nobody else. All right, fuck it. I'll talk to this fucking Zach kid. So I went up to him and we started talking and then we started working out together and come to find out Zach was not a soccer player anymore. He had gained some, some weight. Um, and he was fighting on the side in addition to going to school. Some of the guys he was sparring with were the Rangers. Cause you're in Savannah. In Savannah. Yeah. Hunter army airfield. Yeah. He was training them. He, him and his roommate turned their apartment into half apartment, half training gym. Wow. So it wasn't a place where you would, would like bring girls ever because it smelled like shit. Yeah, but, right. you know, it, it filled the need. And uh, they were training with them. And he, you know, Zach asked me one day, he was like, hey, man, do you think that we could bring some of the Rangers into the art school gym to work out with us? And I was like, dude, you want to bring like special forces dudes into like the art school gym? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. You know? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. I want to see how I fucking stack up against these dudes. You know, like I've always been curious, like that competitive thing, like sports was over. Now it's just, uh, what am I going to do? You know, Um, there's no, there's no more games. So we started working out with some of those guys and like overnight brotherhood, like, it was fucking crazy how fast it happened. And what were you doing? Was it CrossFit? Was it powerlifting? Like, what were you? What? what, what yeah. What was the routine? It was a combination of all of that stuff. Oh, really? So okay. yeah, there would be days where we would do like an insane CrossFit <clears throat> workout. Then there would be a day where we just focused on lifting because when they like my friend Mike Baumgarten, Rob Sanchez, like when they were home from deployment, you know, they had like. They didn't have a lot of time. So we had to like smash a lot of shit in there. So we tried to cover all the bases and it was fun because, you know, every day, like we would, it would be the same routine. Like we would pull up to the gym. Everybody had like their unique vehicle. Like Zach had this like Acura that looked like a spaceship. Mike had this fucking black charger that was like Darth Vader, like death mobile. And then I had like a black Dodge Ram and we would sit in the gym every day and like figure out like, okay, today we're going to do this. It was like a meeting of the minds first. And then we would just go execute this thing. And it was really fun. And you know, like there were a lot of people that took notice of what we were doing. And then, you know, people started jumping in too. This art school, art kid, like army ranger group that we had that was fucking awesome. Um, how did that, I guess for lack of a better word, how did that go over? Was there a culture clash? Oh, suddenly having dudes like that in there. Oh man. Yeah. Because the strength coach that I was working for, he was like, you know, he eventually caught wind of it. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't sneak them in there. Like right, that's right. a huge insurance thing. So I, we used to have to do it towards the end of the night. Like, oh, no, you're good. Go for it. <laughs> That's, I don't even know where my phone is. Uh, oh, shit. Right there behind the painting, I think. No, you're good. Yeah, don't worry about it. Ah, shit. We'll let it run. That's why God invented editing. Uh, just make note of the time, and we'll edit that time accordingly. Yeah, I'm just going to turn my phone off. Um, and actually, Jay, just take a, take a note. It's going to be one hour, 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. On both those. Oh. 
And actually, I'll tell you what, while we paused, yeah. can I grab a coffee? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we got a painting moved. Uh, yeah. No, 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 let it run. It's fine, because it'll be one just thing and we'll, we'll better sort it. It's me. Oh, dude, you yeah. fucking run. Yeah, man, I got you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Did you, I have some, do you want some too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. kill it. Here. Black, or do you want some? Uh, no, I'm not going to go black, but thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. I'll go with the hazelnut. Oh, yeah, you will because it's delicious. Because that's what we do when we come here, right? <laughs> Thank you. Otherwise, nobody talks to you. Well, I'll talk to you. It's like divisive things. Yeah. Oh, you're there. Oh, yeah, right. Gotcha. Thank you, sir. No worries. That was my mom. Oh, I had a feeling she was going to do that. <laughs> Sounds like a mom. Yeah. Okay, so then we'll uh Jay, we'll just no, you're good, you're good. Don't worry about it. Um we'll put in for I'll tell you the exact time hack, but it's gonna be like one hour fourteen. Fourteen minutes. Yeah, and let's just say like, you know, around thirty seconds. Margaret's gonna have to just go through it and just find the exact cut, but that'll be in there. I'm sorry. Um, no, please, no, it's fine. Um, okay, so we were saying the was there a culture clash? Yeah, the culture clash. It was, <clears throat> it was pretty, uh, pretty big. Now there was people that, <clears throat> like I said, they really liked that we had this this crazy energy because, you know, there was. Yeah, I mean, do people work out that hard in art school gym to begin You'd with? You'd be surprised, yeah. No, no, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I can imagine oh, some people yeah. would, yeah. Yeah, because like, yeah. that's definitely something I've talked about before with people that didn't go to school with me, you know? Like, it's crazy how, like, it's very similar. Like, the workout mentality is very similar to the art mentality. You, you know, like, there's a focus that's there, there's yeah. a commitment that's yeah. there, and you're constantly, you know, like, how do I get better? Sure. You know? Sure. Um, and it's a, it's a competitive thing as well. And there were a lot of kids that saw what we were doing and they're like, yeah, man, like, can we, can we play? Like, you know, it's like that kind of thing. And oh, then there cool. were some kids that were like, these guys are fucking bullies. We don't fucking want them in here. And then that's kind of how the strength coach like found out about it <clears throat> was people were complaining about it. Cause there's a lot of people that just didn't, you know, they just weren't cool with it. What year was this ballpark? That was in 2007 to 2009. I mean, not to make everything so fucking topical, but it's a bit of a different country then, right? I mean, a you, bit. you so I mean, you had you had a little bit of a um I mean, I, I, what was the I'm just trying to think about the divide, the sieve mill divide that you see there. Oh, and when man. you're talking about the art, I mean, in the theater world, I would say the theater world is the lagging indicator in all, <laughs> you know, sure. uh, all, all sorts of artsy stuff. Like long after stuff has been debunked, the theater world is still clinging to it sometimes. Um, and I've, and I, I can't speak with any kind of accuracy about the art world um, per se, but I do wonder, yeah, like, you know, if there was a, 
Yeah, what the reaction was and how that went down. And and even for for you and how you were fitting in, I mean, do you think, to put it a different way, do you think you could have done that now? I think you'd have an easier time now. Do you think so? Absolutely. Yeah. Why? <clears throat> well, for instance, I, I can see through social media, you know, like how it's different now as well. There's a lot more open-mindedness to these types of things. Oh, really? Um, oh, that's cool. Especially at the school that I went to because, you know, they have – there's different channels that they have, you know, like the gym has all these different types of fitness programs to attract people. Really? Yep. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Wow. <clears throat> and, but, um, but again, that's an outlier for art schools, right? Or is it not? You know, I don't, I, you don't know. I yeah. haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so removed now. Yeah, you're like, out of the loop. Yeah. But all I know is like, that was one of the reasons why I didn't have many friends in the painting department when I was there. Like the whole, the work that I was interested in doing, the things I was doing, it made me different. And I just really did not see eye to eye with many people. Like, you know, it's just, it's as simple as, you know, you meet people sometimes and the way someone says hello to you, you might not like them. Yeah, you know, right, it's like that right, type of know, shit. Yeah. And I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I was never shy in critiques to tell somebody when I didn't think what they were doing was very good. I've never thought about this, but is there a personality difference between painters, illustrators, different media people that gravitate towards different artistic media? I can only go based off of what I've of course, seen. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause, and the place where I learned that was when I played lacrosse because all of my, like all of my teammates were different majors. There was one other painter on my team and he was, he was like the one of two people I got along with that were painters. And what him and it, I, what was everybody else? Were they sculptors? I mean, do they like who generally like? I know that was a thing. Uh, sorry, this is a, a bit of a digression, but no. I, I read a book once. I can't remember what it was. Otherwise, I'd reference it. Um, but I remember the woman was talking about writers. Writers just aren't sexy. Like they can write sexy things, but if you meet a writer, they're a fucking nerd. They've been living in their own filth. They're stewing in their heads. She's like, but, but, uh, what'd she say? But it was something like, but actors or yeah, something like that. But, oh no, it was actually artists. It was painters, but painters were, now that's sexy. Like there you can really strip down and do stuff. So there you go. But I mean, but I've never thought of this inside just the art world itself if there's actually personality types that gravitate towards different media or different forms of expression. Mm. So anyway, yeah, I, yeah. If, if that, yeah, if that even is a thing, I, I mean, don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because it, with this stuff, there is definitely a different type of mindset for every, everything, you know, there's those people yeah. that are in this to like get a job. Yeah. Then there's those people that go there to be, the boss, like, or do their own thing, you know, like I'm right. like creating a brand right. essentially, you know? So not like say, uh, not to cast aspersions, but like graphic designers, probably you're looking for a job, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're not doing it cause I mean, maybe your heart isn't well, it, but you know, it, it's funny with that because there are some graphic designers who get really like into like a uh, type, you know, and that's, that's Different one strokes. avenue. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. but I feel like graphic design is one of those things that you can just do so many different things with that. Yeah. There's a comfort level there. And a lot of them, they'll tell you that. Yeah. Right. They're not trying right. to, you know, they're not trying to change the world. They just want to get paid and that's right. fine. Right. Just say what you are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, okay. That was all a long digression that I just want to explore for a second, but 
culture clash. So with the Rangers in the gym, mm-hmm. what did that lead to? So that led to us. Uh, I got the chance to work out at Hunter a few times uh, because of that. And, you know, they're like, no, we'll get in trouble. So you yeah, don't have to get in trouble. We, yeah. Yeah. So we did that. And it was funny when, when they would bring us to their house, you know, because there was like a sniffing out, like people would see Zach and I, and they, you know, they'd be like, who the fuck are these guys? And why are they here? Sure. You know? Yeah. But I always felt like more welcome there. It was fucking weird. I can't really describe mm. it either. Mm. Um, because there, it's one of those places where it's like, here's the proving ground. If you can do this, then you can hang out here. Right. You know, right, right, right. so sure. it's, it's that thing. Whereas like with the art school, it's like, there's just so many bullshit things that fit into everything. Like everyone's motivation for going to the gym is not the same. It's like, it is now like as an adult, you know, like if you go there and you're like a million miles an hour, you're focused, you have this thing you're trying to do. And like somebody's on their fucking phone or like fucking FaceTime talking on the treadmill, like an asshole, like you're an asshole if you do that. But if you say anything, then you take things too seriously. Now, I've been told that before, and I, okay. So I've adjusted my way of thinking. I have to. Because you need to go to the gym. Because I need to go to the gym. Exactly. So, um, And in the city, you can't, for people (laughs) who don't understand this, in the city, you can't necessarily be working out in your apartment. Like, that gets old very quickly. Very quickly. We all learned that in 2020. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, the... We, we worked out at Hunter and uh, a few times and then, you know what? Like, I just got fucking tired of it. I'm like, I went to this school. I did these things. I'm still getting shit on, still being told what to do all the time. I'm bringing my fucking friends in here. And if I get in trouble, I don't fucking care. So we did. And did you get in trouble? No. Oh, well, there you go. Because I was smart about it. <laughs> okay. You snuck them in still? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Just got smarter about <laughs> got how we did it. Okay. About it. Yeah. Oh, that goes a long way. Yeah. Um, so what was the, so now how were these relationships developing? Man, you know, it, uh, uh, so I'll, I, like I can, I guess I can talk about each one differently. The, the relationship I had with or have I still am. I'm still friends with everybody. Um, with the Rangers was a little bit different than it is with my art school friends. Because after I was done with school in 2009, my wife and I moved here. And around the same time, they got deployed again. So, you know, there's there's like an emotional thing. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Like, uh, just not the, not not from the same planet like the military guys and like, you know, and there were moments where I was like, now that we're not around each other all the time, like, am I, am I your friend? Like, are we cool? Cause you know, like there's that whole coming back from deployment phase and like, it's an emotional thing. And you, as, as an outsider, like you don't know, like how hard do I push this person? Cause if I piss them off, like, what what's going to happen? Like, are right. we just totally not going to be friends? Am I going to make them mad? Like, and, uh, when we moved here, that deployment, Rob got killed. So there was also that to deal with. So Mike came back and, you know, things were, you know, like different 
how could they not be? Um, so there was like a, you know, a phase for a while where I was like, I, was, I wasn't sure. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this guy a space. So I'm gonna let him fucking figure stuff out. Like, I didn't know like the protocol, like, what do you do? You know? Like how to be friends. Yeah. How, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And it, it was, it was definitely tough. Whereas with Zach, um, he, he, he went to Las Vegas and like I said, he was fighting for a while and he was, you know, he was doing pretty well. And he decided that, you know, when, when Rob, when Rob got killed, uh, that was one of the, the things that made Zach consider joining the military himself. Mm -hmm. So eventually he did and he became a seal and you know, now he works in investment banking, the typical art school path. But, um, you know, yeah. I remain so close with both of them. Like Zach was one of the best men at my wedding. I was one of the best men at his. And he even spoke at my father's funeral. Wow. Like wow. that's my brother, you know, wow. um, Mike, we are still close. We talk all the time. Like he called me a bunch while my dad was in the hospital. Like we're all close still. Like we go on trips together. I like, I'm a fortunate guy to be 43 and have like this friend circle that I have. In addition yeah, to guys those guys, don't have friends. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. There's other guys yeah. from, from that, that time period in my life. Like we all go on trips together. We, you know, Obviously now with how everything works, there's a huge uh, text thread that we all talk shit to each other on, right, you know, right. the gifs, you know, right, all, the, right. all, yeah. those, all those things. So. Um, there's probably no, well, I don't know. There might not be a way for you to answer this, but I'll just ask it anyway. Why do you think they are friends with you? That's a good question. Cause I'm not the easiest person to get along with. And it just seems, you know, that they're not artists, Right. Not even well, or not professionally. Okay. Um, I mean, was there a bond over the art? Was that ever part well, of the friendship? Zach, so Zach went to school with I me. Mean, Zach, so yes, obviously. But but in, in Mike and Rob, Mike and um, Rob. it's funny because they were all a part of my thesis work with the tire stuff. They were the other guys with the Got tires. You. Okay. So and Mike is like, he's. A, a, you know, he had, he's tatted up like he loves art. He does. Yeah. He's been a huge fan of it his yeah. whole life. He, you know, yeah. Uh, so it's not, that one's not tough. They're friends with me because I am the most persistent asshole that you have ever met in your life. And I do my best to keep my friend group together because I know mm. how, how special it is. And it's, it's super important to me because these people like effectively, like they all changed my life. And so many people go through these experiences and yeah, you're like peripherally friends with somebody on Facebook yeah, and right. Instagram, but like, like I love these people, like they are my family and I am not going to like, I'm not going to let them go because they have kids or they get married or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, how old school like thought processes used to be. Fuck that man. Like I love these guys. Why did you, so on the flip side, why did you attach to them in ways that, did you attach to other people the same way? No. Or why? Because they all, there were qualities that they have that I respected greatly and things that they had that like I wanted too. you know, like iron sharpens iron. Like I, like athletically, some of them could do shit I could never do. And sure. I'm like, I want to be around that dude because I want to be more like that. 
in certain, you know, other areas too. Um, school, mm -hmm. like some of these guys, uh, like my roommate, my two roommates that I had in undergrad, like same thing, like they're, they're my brothers. Um, one of them was the captain of our lacrosse team and he's the, the greatest leader to this day that I have ever seen in my entire life. I played sports, like I said, all through high school and college and his leadership, like acumen, like I saw that in him and I wanted to be more like that. And he, like, I didn't like, so like, like I said, I didn't play lacrosse until right. I got to school. Right. right? He, every single day after practice in the beginning, he stayed after to teach me how to play. Yeah. He invested in yeah. me. And that's like, to me, that meant the world. Like I would do anything for that guy. I, I'm, I have a bad habit of trying to play amateur psychiatrist. I don't try to. Somebody just naturally leads this way. It's all right. But do you do you think do you think you would have bonded and there would have been that connection if you hadn't been the fat kid growing up? Like that there was some there was like a newfound, for lack of a better word, manhood. Yeah. That came about and oh, you, and yeah. and because I, I feel like when you late, when you bloom late, you become evangelical about that new transformation in ways that people would take it for granted if they'd had it their whole lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. This like I'm saying, like going to that school changed my entire life. Wow. I really did. Did you ever think about joining the military? Yeah, absolutely. When? When I started working out with yeah. the guys, you know, um, Walk through that thought process um, into how it didn't happen and why it didn't happen. I th that's a really short one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, I, I consulted with Mike about it a lot when I was in grad school. I'm like, Hey man, you know, I've like, I've thought about it. And, and he's like, if you don't 100% want to do this, do not do it. And I was like, Nope, I don't want to do it. And I, you know, I thought, I thought back on all of the arguments and fights I always had with, with coaches and bosses and all that stuff. And like <laughs> authority, yeah, yeah. authority, uh -huh. like no. Yeah. And if I think something's stupid and like everyone's doing it, I'm not, I'm going to either get my ass kicked or I'm going to like, you yeah. know, something bad's going to happen to yep. me. Yep. So no, I, yeah, I don't belong here. Did that cinch it up? Were you, were you at peace with it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to gloss over, um, Rob's death. So let me just throw that out there. What did that mean for you? How much did, how much did that hit? It's, it's, it's crazy to think back on that stuff because this whole, this whole body of work has like come full circle for me. Um, I remember the phone call that I got when it happened like Zach called me cause he was still in Savannah at the time. Cause he was a little bit behind me with school. So at the time, uh, the girl that Mike was dating had found Zach cause we worked, we all worked at this bar together. Another funny like aspect of all of this security guys from an art school. Um, Oh, you're all bouncing. Yeah. At the bar? Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Zach was, Zach was like the head, like, bartender and bouncer. He did everything. Dude's like a Swiss army knife. Anyway, uh, he called me and told me that she had like found him and told him it was like, Hey man, I've, I got something bad to tell you. And I immediately like, I knew exactly what was going to come out of his mouth. You know, 
And it was. Did you know it was going to be Rob? No, because at first I thought yeah. it was Mike. Okay. And he said, no, it wasn't Mike. And I was like, okay. And he was like, it was Rob. And uh, yeah, like when, when I met them, I knew even then, like I wanted to one day make work about them. And it's fucking crazy that like all those years later, this happened and then it was, okay, I wanted, I wanted, that needs to be a piece in whatever this work is going to look like whenever I do it. Um, but I have enough respect for everything that I also understand that I need to be at a certain place in my career before I try to tackle some shit like this, because there's a lot of moving pieces. Explain that. Why? Because I want the work. There are so many different elements that are important to the success of this work that made it worth doing to me. And it wasn't just making a painting. So, so why, where did you need to be in your career to execute that? What was the trigger? I just needed more experience under my belt of showing work, um, having success, making more of a name for myself because I am not, like I said, like, you know, I'm not a military person mm-hmm. and I just felt like I needed more life experience first too. And to better figure out like what my work needed to look like as well. Did you not feel at the top of your game as an artist? Did you feel like you still were climbing the mountain? It's weird because I've always felt I'm so I'm confident with what. Right. It seems that way. I don't. Yeah. I don't lack the confidence. I just wanted to work this work a little bit more to build more of like a base of like people that knew who I was, you know, so that people would appreciate the work more just on the customer yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. But well, skill, was that it? Or was it skill wise? You felt like there was something else that I had to develop still with you. I just didn't want to shoot my shot and have it not go anywhere. Okay. Um, but again, because of your talent or because of your skill, I should say not talent, but oh. your skill or because the market or the public wouldn't fully get it yet. Yeah. Fuck that. It's not because of my skill. My skills. I'm there the fucking go. man. Okay. It's, so it was yeah. the public. Yeah. You, you, you're like, hey, I need to be enough of a name. I yeah. need to have enough of a rep yeah. for the public to appreciate this. Yep. And because I knew it was going to be an uphill battle because you also have to think about the art world as a whole. How do they view the military? How are they looking at these things? That's like, so when I say like, there's all these moving pieces involved, the work itself, I am trying to humanize their deployment story experiences. This is not war porn. I'm not just painting like Washington crossing the Delaware. Right. That's not what this is. Right. Which has its place. I love that painting, but but, it's one of my favorites, but but, yeah, they did it. Right. right. Yeah. Um, when did Rob die? What year was that? 2009. Okay. I meant to ask when you, when this friendship started to happen, did you notice you were becoming more aware of the wars did that naturally did you were you already tracking like oh yeah we're in afghanistan yeah we're doing this yeah i know what rangers are like was that even in your lexicon or did you just start to get hip to it when you became friends with them yeah i just got hip to it i yeah i didn't really make it a point like everybody knows military people or like has them in their family and it was kind of funny too not everybody but yeah (laughs) less and less but yeah no i hear you yeah yeah um yeah and even more so like with my dad, you know, it was like yeah. one of those things, like it was, that was another connection. It's like, Hey dad, look, look who I'm fucking working out with. This is yeah. fucking awesome. And he's like, you're working out Rangers. And I'm like, yeah, you know, cause it was already fucking crazy yeah. enough for me to come home the first time and be like, dad, I'm playing lacrosse in college now. And he was <laughs> like, 
the fuck are you talking about? You know, but yeah. Yeah. Um, how quickly after you met them, did you know you wanted to incorporate them into your art? Oh man. Almost immediately. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because it would be a huge, you know, that's a huge miss. Like my work is all about the story, you know, and who has better stories than these guys. And was this your first real time intersecting with military folks Uh, in any meaningful way? No, because okay. I, you know, no. All right. Did you have them in your family? Oh, well, besides, besides dad, dad? Um, yeah. both of my grandparents or grandfathers. And, um, I had some friends like, okay. uh, yeah, there's yeah, okay. a bunch of friends I went to high school with, but you noticed, and I'm, 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 I'm I, I hear myself and it sounds like I'm trying to be like nudging you towards this answer. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I, I encapsulate it fully. Did, was it making you more, I guess, aware of stuff. And let me give you some context. Like for me, I remember when I came back to the East Coast in 2011, 2012, I remember I was at church and somebody was busy telling, like it was like after church, like people were milling about and somebody was telling their kid, they're like, well, we're not in Afghanistan anymore. And I was like, New Yorkers, right? Yeah, good worldview. You know, so I was like, are you fucking like, but it was amazing to me that I was like, you, but they but it, talk about families that didn't have anybody in the military. It was just complete spaced out. Like you're not tracking anything that's happening there. So um, for you, did you notice like the suddenly, you know, you're you're pinging on more current events when people say Afghanistan it means something uh, or Iraq it dude, means something more. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, of course. And then even more so when Zach decided to join the Navy. You know, it's like did he talk to you before he went? Did he yeah. tell you who's going to do it? Yeah, yeah. What did you think? Uh, he's he's that dude. Did you did you know he was going to make it the whole way? Do you have, fuck yeah, really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind because you know some people I'm sure would have you know probably doubted him. I never did. I know, I dude, I know that guy. When he did make it, were you, were you just kind of like? Shrug of the shoulders, like, yeah, of course he fucking did. Or was, was there some sort of, euphoria is not the right word, but was there some sort of, like, bias confirmation where it's like, yeah, fucking awesome. That's great. Like, kind of your friend pack oh, is, yeah. you know. I was so happy for him. Yeah. You know, because that's, he went through some serious shit to get there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was so happy for him. I still am. So, um, where did Rob die? So they actually made um, an episode about this on a show called The Warfighters. Okay. Uh, Mike was, uh, he worked on the show and um, it was Operation Breton in Afghanistan. Okay. Okay. I don't know, but that's, there were a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Did you watch it? Did you watch the episode? Yeah. And it's funny because through Mike, and that show that he worked on, I was able to meet somebody else that I painted as well. Okay. So <laughs> let's, I, I do want to ask about our buddy, Mike Kelvington here in a second. Um, before I do, had you painted them already? Had you, had you started to paint them and like with them as subject matter? Uh, um, no, actually that came about, um, funny enough at Zach's wedding um we I hadn't spoke to Mike 
in a while. It had been a long time for us. Cause like I said, I really wasn't sure like where I stood with him. Like yeah. Yeah. there, we went through a funny patch. Um, and then at Zach's wedding, I got married the year before that. And then I, like I said, I just, I didn't, I, this is one of the only regrets that I have in my entire life. And I'm glad I'm saying this so mm. that it's on dot, like it's documented. Um, I didn't invite Mike to my wedding because I wasn't sure, like like I said, like where I stood with him. We were in a weird spot. So he saw me at Zach's wedding and it was just like instantly like I was nervous because I wasn't sure how to act. And um, he was, you know, he was just like, so you got married, huh? <laughs> like my invitation get lost in the mail. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> fuck, motherfucker. And like, you know, he just, we just, um, we, we, we talked about everything like really quickly. And then we immediately just fell back right into the same place we were like, we, yeah. how we were in yeah. Savannah. And it is so, it was so hard to me. And like, I've, I have brought this up to him so many times about it. And I, I feel fucking terrible about it to this day, but I just didn't know how to deal with of course, it. You know, of course. but, um, so but at I the wedding, then did you decide so to start? So at yeah. the wedding, I, 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 you know, I pitched the whole, the whole thing to him. It was like this emotional, full circle, like roller coaster with all of them. And I was like, yeah, man. So remember that picture of you guys, you know, the repatriation ceremony, like, would you be okay if I painted that? And he was like, fuck yeah, paint it. And I was like, okay, that was easy. So did you have the idea right then at the spur of the moment or you've been thinking about it? Already? Oh, I've been thinking about it for a long time. Really? I just, like I said, like there was, there was only really one thing that I knew that I could paint and one painting is not enough for a body of work. Yeah. So that, you know, decision then took me down this path of like, well, Zach is a seal. He's got all these experiences. You know, he has, um, seal friends. Mike has all these ranger friends. Like they all have these crazy stories. I'm an artist, you know, like, if someone's going to do something about this, it needs to be me. So here we are. Um, and then it's crazy, you know, how, how things just evolved. And like, I kept meeting more people and just, that is what it is now. What was the, um, <clears throat> how much of this was thought out? Did you already know generally where you wanted to go with this? You just needed to know the subjects that you were going to be painting and the people and meet no. them. No. So it was developing as you met yeah. each person. Yeah, it totally did. Okay. And the aesthetic as well. Like I started, I did the repatriation ceremony for Rob first. And then um, I met Mike Kelvington and I started a, a study, like a preliminary study for uh, his painting. And I just, man, it was, it's crazy. Like I've talked to him about this a million times and I'm, I'm glad, I'm very happy that he's a patient man as well. Because um, I started that. And I just got to this place where I was like, you know what, fuck, like this work is not good enough. It needs to be better. So I did his the study for his painting. I put the work down for a while and I, I did some other stuff and I thought about it. Like, how does this work need to look? How does it need to feel? What am I trying to convey? Like, what's the fucking why here? Yeah. You know, like, why are people going to care about this? And my wife and I went to Paris and uh, we were at a museum and I saw this collection of, uh, I don't, do you know who Francis Bacon is? Yeah, sure. I saw this fucking 
amazing show of Francis Bacon's work. And there were all these old interviews in black and white with him where he was talking about, um, I decide what the viewer sees. I decide like what's important. And then I thought more about, you know, all these other things, these other elements, like how aesthetically, like how does this need to, going back to this again, like how does this need to look? What's the message? How does it feel? Like these are all memories. Some of them are clear. Some of them are not. Some of them are disappearing. Like there's all these things. It's not going to be a crystal clear image. I want abstract stuff. I want real stuff. I want you to see the process of how I draw everything. I want all of these things at one time. And it has to, you have to have like this emotional feeling on top of that. There also has to be this like component of the work where you hear the soldiers tell the story behind the work, because in humanizing everything, I want you to make a connection with the person. It's important for you to hear their voice and their side of like everything and what you're looking at. They went through this experience and this work is nothing without them. So they're just as big of a, a huge, you know, component of this as the paintings are. Let's set the stage then. Uh, how did you meet Mike Covington? So when uh, they, there was um, at Princeton, mm-hmm. there was a screening of the Warfighters show that Mike had worked on, Bumburton. Okay. And Kelvington uh, was, I think he was responsible for getting it there. And we went... And we watched it. And then, you know, there was the Q&A session with, uh, with the, the audience, which I found to be kind of fun because there were those people who were very opposed to the military right. and all right. these things. And I got to, I still have to tip my hat to my friends. Like they are, they, they were cool the whole time. They were terrific spokespeople for all of this stuff for the show. And, um, they kept a level head and they were able to, you know, get through all of the tough like questions about war and yeah. all that shit. And, um, after, after the presentation was over, we all, you know, we hung out for a little while afterwards and I got to talking to Kelvington and he was telling me about this story that he experienced with his translator. And, um, and hearing that I was just blown away. I'm like, I cannot fucking believe I know people that have been through shit like this. And why don't you do, do you, do you mind summing it up just for everybody? Yeah, sure. He, so he had a, a translator that followed him around on one of his deployments and long story short, the bad guys found out and they killed him. And, um, you know, they, he was, uh, he was blown up due to lack of better. And, um, <clears throat> Mike collected, his body and brought it back to where they were staying to bring him back to his, you know, his family and friends. And when he delivered the body, um, everybody like surrounded him and Mike was praying for the person, the translator, OG, that's what he refers to him as. And, um, there was a photographer that took a picture of, of Mike doing that. And just, it's so crazy. Like I was in school learning how to paint when he was doing stuff like that. I think about stuff like that all the time. Yeah. These are the paths that we've all chosen to go down. Yeah. But, but obviously, you know, um, a lot of that dies in silence and that's, uh, let's not be said. That's what you're doing, right? Is you're bringing to light things that otherwise would be 
lost and go down the memory hole. Um, and that sucks. It, it does suck, but thank God you're there to capture it, and thank God others are, and, and those that, that, you know, whether they come from the veteran community or the veteran-adjacent community, you know, that they're those that appreciate it and are able to bring that to light. Um, how long did it take you to do this piece? <laughs> uh, so the study, it took, like, I want to say about a month. Okay. And then the, that's not the study, though. That's the... That's the end that's result. The, yeah, right. that was about. So, what were you tell, tell about the study? So, l- let me understand the process better. What does that mean then? So, uh, classically, like okay. the way an artist, you know, like Da Vinci would work, he would make a drawing of the thing he wanted to paint so he could understand the forms and shapes better. Oh, okay. So, when you see like all those old school drawings of charcoal, uh, Conte, like those types of things, um, those are all just like preliminary sketches. So, Got you. Yeah. Okay. And I did one of those. And when I got done with it, I was like, all right, this needs to be better because this sucks and I'm not happy with it. What didn't you like about it? I didn't like the colors. Um, I didn't like the size that it was. Um, and with this work, too, there's a theme, you know, like red, white, and blue shades, obviously. Um, it might not be so obvious to some <laughs> people. Um, but uh, that's. The, the painting of him has a little bit more color too. I don't know why I chose it. Sometimes I don't know the answer. Um, I added a little bit more color into his uniform and his skin tone. A lot of times I, I like the mm-hmm. black and white, mm-hmm. but with him, I, there was just something about it that I wanted to add more into it. Um, so him kneeling is from the picture, yeah. right? Oh yeah. The rest of it, I mean, remind me, how much of this is based on photographs and how much of this was your design, your imagination? Well, the placement of the figures is from obviously from the photograph because I wasn't there. Um, sure. But, you know, the the details and the realism of, of Mike, um, I had to use the photograph for that. Uh, and Jenny, can we get, can we get the camera and just, and just, uh, you, you don't have to worry about us, but while, um, Mitch is talking, if, if we can just see it, you can detach it. You can detach the phone too. Everybody can see Jenny on it. It's not a secret. <laughs> Jenny, you can, you can thread it back through the <laughs> ring light. Yeah. Just walking around. So yeah, the, the detail in him, you know, it's a little bit more realistic. Um, but going back to the, the elements of, of all of the work, like this is a memory, you know, it it can't all be crystal clear. I wanted to just, you know, kind of touch on some of the people in the background because he was surrounded by people, but I didn't want to focus on everyone and take away from the actual bag and, and him. Um, there's just so many moving pieces like the, the abstract stuff. Um, it's like a fading memory, um, mm. the line work, it's all directional. All of my work, it's got this, the free flowing contour line. So basically it's one continuous line. Um, and all of mm. my work, I like to start with this like abstract shaping and then, you know, um, constantly refining things, uh, over time. And I, I like to leave the process revealed so you can see how I did this. Like you can tell that there is like a, a ghost of him where I first started. Yeah. And the, yeah. that's why I left the patch there. Like I, I wanted you to know that like, you know, 
not, you don't get everything right on the first take. That's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. What was Mike's reaction when he saw it? I, he was, you know, he was really happy and I don't, I'm not sure if he really knew how to react, you yeah. know, yeah. he's so good at like not, not reacting to stuff. Yeah. He's so, yeah. he's like, a, he's a pro. Yeah. And you can tell that that's, that's gotta be like military I training think, stuff. I, I think it's also just trippy. AJ, you can keep it out. Cause we're going to go walk around here in a second. I think I can't that's fine. I mean, you can keep it on us. You can keep it on us. And, and, and then, and then we'll, we'll go to the other paintings here in a sec. Um, and I mean, make yourself comfortable too. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you're comfortable. All right. Um, but I mean, I think, uh, I think that's also difficult, um, to process oh, yeah. your reaction to your own thing. I think a lot of that is sometimes you're just going to blank canvas because it's like, I, I don't know how to react. You know, it's like, it's a yeah. weird thing, I think, to, to pick up. Um, let's move to these other pieces. So, well, what was next chronologically? Where chronologically, um, I, so, yeah, the painting of that, of that boy, the oh, boy right. waving. Yep. Okay. I was working on that one and the battlefield cross painting at the exact same time. The one that's um, leaning right. against the door. So um, where did they come from? So the boy is from one of Zach's deployments. He was a boy that was living outside of the base where they were. And him and his group of friends used to hang out outside the base every day. And they would wave at, at Zach and everybody when they were you know, going into the city and uh, Zach was telling me that they would give them like bottles of water and candy mm -hmm. and all types of stuff. And it was kind of like they looked at them like they were like, you know, heroes, like yeah. they were the good guys yeah. coming to save us, essentially. And um, it was funny because Zach always says like, he's like, I have no idea like where the fuck this kid was going every day. Like, where the, where did yeah, he go? Right, you have right. no idea. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, that that resonated a lot with me because. I like, I'm only seeing it from the civilian standpoint. Like this, mm. there's this little kid that's grown up in nothing and knows nothing besides the way that this yeah. is. Yeah. And you know, that's going back again, like the humanistic side to all of this. I'm trying to humanize this stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so Zach was taking pictures while he's over there. Uh, yeah. Is that what it came from? Some, yeah. Yeah. I, I should ask, did you notice changes with Zach? Since you know, since you'd known him as a civilian, and then seen him go through that, could you detect anything? Was there any change that you could pick up? He's such a tough bastard. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like he just got sharper. If anything, okay. Um, nothing bad. Uh, just you know, I also feel like some of it also was just life and growing up. You know, post deployment. I mean, you could kind of see a little bit more age around the eyes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know, he also has all of that, that fight experience too. So That's those true. things yeah, come yeah, into yeah. play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, his experiences are unlike anybody else's I've ever known. Sure. Sure. Um, what was it? So, you oh, sorry. The battle cross. Oh, uh, right? it's behind. Uh, where is it? Right, right there. Oh, there. Okay. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Um, yeah. So if we need to, if you want to lean this one down. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the battle cross, uh, where did that go? So that's um, when I was, I went out to San Diego to see Zach for a little bit. 
And I remember going to the base with him there. Um, they had one of those in a, a glass case. And mm. at the time, like no one had explained to me what it is, but I really don't no. think you need explanation to know what that is. Um, and I had seen the imagery several times before, and I wanted to just, I wanted to make one piece about that specific thing. Cause it's, you know, that's a huge talking point. Yeah. Um, and the symbolism behind it is enormous as well. So, um, I found a couple of images to work from for that one. And one of the things that I really worked into that as well, um, as I have tried in, in a lot of the other pieces is to use gold leaf. That's a nod to my mentor because he used to put gold leaf in his paintings. Gotcha. And it's a hard thing to, to get in without it looking like kitschy or ostentatious. Yeah. Or just, yeah, just over the top. goofy. Yeah. Like, why is yeah. that there? Yeah. Um, so, and it's real gold leaf too. It's not foil. Really? So it's kind of pricey. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. With all these, where were they going? What were you doing with them? So once they were done, mm -hmm. did you have oh no a gallery? Did you have anything? Did you have any space to display them? What were you doing with them? Uh, so I'm in the planning phase now. I had to make the work in order to pitch the work, and then there's a whole other the uh, the. So these have never been publicly shown. No, holy fuck! Yeah, yeah. So I started it in 2016. Here we are. I got one more piece to make. And I'm just finishing up that one that's behind you right now. That's that's actually Zach's locker from when he was over there. Okay. So. Um, and so how do you know you have one more piece to make? How do you know how long or how short this series needed to be? It's a feeling. Okay. Yeah. And it's a full circle thing, too, like I was saying early on in the beginning. Like the first painting was about Rob and it's not the last one's not global war on terror related, but it's about my dad. That's, that's where, that's where everything needs to end. Yeah. So, yeah, of course. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> we, we need to cover these cause oh, the, yeah. we can't ignore this. Sure. So, um, yeah. Walk us through. All right. So this is, here. it's a triptych, the three panel painting. Uh, this is an overview of the whole global war on terror. It's a collection of different images that I have gotten from different people and uh, not just it, it's rangers it's seals and marine raiders and there are you know obviously there's people um <clears throat> there's uh so from from what i from what i understand <laughs> there's uh, like uh thanksgiving and christmas that's mm -hmm. spent out there mm -hmm. that's a, a place setting for thanksgiving for the people that were lost on deployment right right I saw that and I was like, that's, that's fucking awesome. And, uh, you know, the, obviously the Christmas decorations, cause you're not at home with your family. Um, the coloring book images and drawings that some of the guys got sent by, you know, their kids or family members. Um, and then, you know, there was, was this based on anything you actually saw or was that you going back to your oh, no, Ninja no, no, Turtle? That's, that, okay. that's, yeah. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to include it. Right? Yeah, like this yeah. fucking kid, like drew a Ninja Turtle, like fucking this has crazy. to go in there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it reminded me of that as well. Um, there's, like I said, going back stylistically, like I tried to throw everything that I know how to do at this. I even went as far as to include 
pop art, and that's with the toy soldiers at, at the top. Now that's <clears throat> that's like a stylistic thing. I knew that something needed to be there. Yeah. But to push this further, um, it it was just that thing that was missing. And I even added the gold leaf in the in the Bible. Well, that's where it is. So the pages. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. this this one really has everything. And this so I was juggling a project. Um, for the first Ranger Battalion, I was painting a memorial for their killed in action and killed in training uh, Rangers that they've lost. And I was painting this at the same time. So this was a whole separate series. This was not one. So that was a whole separate what, commission? Uh, the portraits? Did? Yeah. Yeah, the portraits were a completely separate project. Some people uh, don't realize that. Yeah. Um, they think this is that was all the same. Uh, okay. That, yeah. So that was a completely separate thing. I was doing that for them while painting this work as a part of all of these pieces. Okay. So this painting took a little bit over two years wow. to make. Wow. So the work, <laughs> the work is there. Um, the scarf wow. is obviously the most labor-intensive component of this. Oh. And uh, yeah. it mimics the, the line work um, that you see in a lot of the other pieces. There's like this dynamic mm. S-curve that makes yeah. your eye go through. Interesting. So... Everything is well thought out. I try my best. You know, um, this is, so do you, are the portraits part of the same series then? Do you see them as being part of the same series? Oh yeah, that's okay. Yeah, this is all. So it's all, all interconnected. Um, Tell me about the portraits then. So how did you, how did you choose who didn't make the cut? Like you said, like put it that way. This is the hardest question to answer because a lot of people have asked me that. Oh really? And it was, you know, there, there's a combination of a lot of things. Decisions have to be made. Tough ones have to be made. Like you just have to fucking make the decision and stand behind it. Right. Um, I started with the, the Navy guys first and, um, you know, early on, I, I didn't know that many people. So I just did a lot of researching online. Yeah. I did some reading. I I found guys who I thought their story, you know, resonated with me for some reason or another. Um, And originally the idea for, for this entire body of work was for it to be displayed like an American flag. That's why the colors are what they are. Got you. But the size of all of these things and then adding in the, you know, the, the tech part of it, hearing the voices and all that stuff, tell the stories impossible. It's not impossible, but it would be really tough to find the right place for this Mm -hmm. to adequately experience it. So, um, I put out a call on social media once I got started on this. Um, you know, if anybody has friends, family members, whoever, and they would like for me to paint the portrait as a part of this piece for this collection, send me their information. And that really, really started the ball rolling. And, and funny enough, because I did this piece, that was how uh, the guys at the 1st Battalion found out about the work I can do because they saw you. it on social media. So th- this piece and the work you did for 1st Bat kind of did have a synergy. There was some connectivity bit. that allowed sure. it. Well, to, yeah. to birth because you know. that, you know, that experience I had painting the portraits for a first battalion, like that introduced me to so many people and yeah. I heard so many more stories and it was one of those things where you, you can't, I can't paint about everybody because then I would be doing this for the rest of my life. Right. And right. I don't have time. Well, you need to do representation. Yeah. Of, uh, you stuff that covers. Enough. And, yeah. and there was 
throughout all the conversations I've had with anybody, no matter what branch they were in, no matter what, what they did, where they were, the one thing that I kept hearing about was PTSD. And it was this crazy fucking thing because everybody has experienced it, dealt with it, knows someone that succumbed to it, and not everybody is okay with talking about it. And again, the civilian thing, like I have to understand my place in all this and there's no pushing. And I, you know, like if someone wants to talk about it, cool. I will listen. Mm -hmm. I will. I'm one of the best listeners ever, but, um, I kept hearing this over and over again and it pushed me to want to make a piece just about that. And since I had already done all of these guys and girls portraits for that piece for this collection, I wanted to make one piece about PTSD with portraits as well, but represent them in an incomplete way. That's why the PTSD piece, those portraits are incomplete for the incomplete lives that those, those guys had lived. And also the goal, you know, like I was looking at uh, the numbers about how many people succumb to it per day. And right. that number, right. depending on who you ask, is a different number. Everyone yeah. has a different take. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you've dealt. Yeah. Obviously, I, I, yeah. Yeah. You can see my eye rolling. Yes. I mean, yeah, there's, I, I have uh, folks on this podcast, I think probably know by now. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, well, I won't make it about my point of view on it, but yes, no, I, well, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like the way people talk about gun violence now. It's like, it's such a broad term it, it, that doesn't identify a problem. It's like, oh, okay, there's a difference between somebody that had an accidental discharge and killed themselves and a gang member that shoots somebody or a school shooting. Those are all different things. If you call them all gun violence, then we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. It's kind of the same way with veteran suicide and PTS. To just call it, oh, well, it's another veteran suicide. Okay, maybe. Was it a Cold War veteran that was homeless in a homeless shelter and it was on drugs? That's a different death than somebody that just got out of the military and is struggling with survivor's guilt or something like that and blows their brains out. Those are two very different things. So to accurately go, well, we got to stop veteran suicide. O okay. What's the root cause? It's different. It depends who we're talking about. And that's my problem is that nobody likes to talk the specifics. It's just, oh, we're against veteran suicide. Right. And I'm in favor of sunshine, right? I, that's kind of <laughs> obvious statements, but it's like, but what, what does that actually mean? And what, what's the problem? What's the solution? Um, and, uh, and then I, and this is, I don't think I'm starting any fires by saying this. I'm also very concerned about the amount of grift that goes into PTS now, where, especially with the wars winding down temporarily for the next 10 minutes, um, fucking assholes. That's what happens when you pull out of Afghanistan. The whole fucking world goes to shit. Uh, but anyway, that's a different top podcast episode. But my my concern is is uh, is now there's so many. If if any more organizations, nonprofits pop up to fight PTS, really, we don't have enough of those yet, and 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 we're chasing the money. I'm not trying to put you on the spot by you no. don't have to respond to any of that. But that's um, sorry. I just went off on a tangent there. So there you go. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's that. But to your point, making it back to the subject matter. So, I mean, these were these done then with an eye towards capturing kind of the reality of PTS and humanizing yep. what this looked, the post-deployment face, if you will. Yeah. Well, you know, some of these guys, 
that was actually, they were on a deployment when these pictures were taken. Right. Because right. one thing that people don't understand also is like with portraits or they probably do, but no one's, no one really talks about it. It's like, if you're painting someone's portrait, it either it fucking looks like them or it doesn't. And what's your goal? Like, I always hate when you see somebody that is a, <laughs> is a portrait painter and it's like, cool, but that doesn't fucking look like a person. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. I, I get like the representation stuff, but if I'm, if I'm trying to say that I painted this person, it better fucking look like them because I know at the end of the day, like one of their family members is probably going to see this. That's the big difference. Yes. Right. Cause, cause you can internalize and go, well, through my lens, they look like this yeah, great, and that's bro. adorable when it's like yeah. a rich person that asked you to do their portrait. But when it's somebody that might've died or somebody that, you know, Somewhere you're talking about family members having to recognize that person and wanting to relate to it. Yeah. There's a little bit of an obligation. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, like how you're saying too, with uh, with all the PTSD stuff, there, that's, so I, I selected the number 24 as the number of portraits I wanted to do, right? So I put the call out for that piece. You know, I quickly got some responses. I even got... Uh, a friend that was in special forces in Australia. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like, this is fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course I'll paint these guys. You're right. Sure. They were fighting with us Yeah, and yeah. they, it's the same shit just yeah. in a different place. So anyway, um, there were 12 names that I never got. And I was, and I know people that know people but I'm not going to push you to tell me names. Like I'm not doing that. I am the third party person. And I feel like with that piece, there was, it was, it's more powerful to leave some of those spots blank because of that tough time that we still have talking about these things. And to your point as well, as the guy that paints the pictures and puts the stuff out there, there are people who, when I read this stuff, I try not to get, I never engage in stupid conversations because there's no winning on social media. Mm -hmm. oh, but yeah, yeah. the dumb shit that I've heard, it fucking makes me so angry. And like, I get it. Like, I'm not curing anything with this. What I'm doing is bringing these stories to light to hopefully connect people, inspire conversation, and, you know, educate people on, on the realities of these things. That's my right, role. Right. I'm not saying that I'm fixing any of these things or I have the solution to the problem. And there's just like so many dumb comments that people make about stuff. Like, do you think before you push enter, like, uh, listen, I, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, one of the thoughts that comes to my mind is, um, I think it was Dylan that said, uh, the greatest thing an artist can do is inspire. And I've thought about that a lot because initially I was like underwhelmed by that. I was like, really? That's the best thing you can do is inspire. And the more I've thought about that, the more I'm like, what else? I mean, um, and, and that has a healing property in it. Um, how does that strike you? Do you, a, do you think that's true? And B, does it relate to that? What would you say is the takeaway for you with this? And the, or and not the takeaway for you. That's not the right word. Um, not, not the right phrase. Uh, what's the, what do you want it to do to people? 
one of the, the one of the most important things that I wanted to do is I wanted to bring people. I wanted to connect people, and I wanted to, the, you know, obviously, I have military people in mind, but I I also want to bring all these different people from different places together. It has to be civilians, the art community. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what? Like people who aren't supportive of the military. Right. And that's the important part of this. Like these are fucking people like everybody else. And I, and that's one of the things I don't know. Like the story has to be the star, you know, you yeah. have to hear the stories. And until that happens, like, you're just going to be this angry person that doesn't like the military for whatever your political beliefs are or whatever, whatever the case may be, you know, like I, I separate myself from all of that shit. I try to stay in the middle of everything because that's my role as an artist. Like I'm supposed to be the visual timekeeper for the time period that I was living. And that's, I take, I don't take myself so seriously, but I take my work fucking no, seriously. Totally. totally. Is there value? I'm gonna ask you a leading question. Is there a value in striving to be something of the poet laureate or artist laureate for a type of I use this word advisedly heroicism or I don't want to say masculinity because there's certainly women depicted yeah. here, but yeah. you know, but a certain kind of, um, it seems like a recurring theme in your life has been, you know, from powerlifting to, uh, you know, to, to the art that there's a constant. And, and I, I relate to that. The need to juxtapose the, does the male inherently masculine, not male, inherently masculine desire for a noble fight a, fight, a cause worth exerting yourself even to the point of death for. I feel like that's a masculine trait. doesn't mean women don't have it. It just means I think it's an inherently masculine trait to do that. But to be a poet laureate to that, because if you don't honor it and show it, and even at the risk of sounding political, glorify it to some degree, it there's not enough substantive people won't, understand and embrace it willingly or as willingly as maybe society needs them to. Does that kind of make sense? And I'm just wondering is I, I'm my takeaway, almost like the tagline that I'm seeing in my mind, we don't do taglines for the podcast, but in my <laughs> mind, I'm almost like, I feel like there's a degree of you that is almost like a poet laureate for the masculine, the heroic, the, um, that that aggressiveness, confidence, persistence that you've talked about personally, you seek out subjects that are going to inspire that in others or bring that out in yourself and exert yourself in that cause. Am I over-reading that? No. Not at all. There's a struggle that I know that I have with that kind of stuff. And I, when I say that, I mean... <laughs> like with movies, right? I never liked the fucking good guy. I like mm. the bad guy a lot. And it, sometimes that like that that fucks with me because um 
even my role when I played sports, when I, when I was playing lacrosse in school, um, I was like the enforcer guy. I wasn't the fucking hero. I was the, my goal was to stop somebody that was trying to score a goal. That was my job. And, um, I typically don't like the hero because of like the fucking, like my wife is probably going to be like, I can't believe you said that. (laughs) The, uh, just the the fucking like boy scout mentality. Mm -hmm. I hate that shit. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also know that with military stuff, a lot of guys, they, they are that person, you know, like they are very much the hero. Um, and there are things about that that are inspiring to me because they are that person that is going to show up every single day. They are going to fight until the fucking end. And that's where <clears throat> I get inspiration from stuff like that. Because I love that, like dying for the cause. What, like, what else is there? You know, what was your life yeah. about? Yeah. A hundred percent. You just went to work yeah. every day? Yeah. Well, and that's why I think, I mean, just to kind of round out my comments on this or my thoughts on this, I think that's also the value. If I'm reading this right, of what you're doing is that sometimes that needs a bullhorn sometimes because not everybody in the military has given it their all and, and died for it. I mean, there's plenty of instances of cowardice. I mean, a lot of folks that struggle with survivor's guilt or other things, you know, go, could I have done more? Is there something else? That's an ache in the community of like, I wasn't everybody that's like a badass. You talk to them and they go, yeah, but I'm not this guy. This guy was the badass. You talk to that guy, that guy's yeah. like, no, no, no. This guy was the badass, not yeah. me. Right. And it's constant. Like it's never enough. And, but what your art does is it glorifies the traits I'm finding just being around it that one should aspire to if you're in a life or death business. And hopefully that has a trickle down effect in the rest of your life. That if it's, even if it's not a life or death business, you fucking live on fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing that you're doing here is half-assed. You're not giving any ode to the normal. It seems like you traffic in the exceptional and in understanding, reading into it, illuminating, glorifying the exceptional, and it could be exceptional struggle, could be exceptional hardship, you know. But it, but you know, it wasn't the face of a little kid in Kansas, and there are a lot of moving faces of little kids in Kansas. That's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what you gravitate towards. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but no, you're right. I mean, that's that's also what I mean, like with with the whole Boy Scout thing too. It's it's more of like a like a mindset, I guess, and. That's that's when the like the war porn thing happens. Like I'm not trying to you know do that. Like I, you're not trying to be struggle. propagandistic. No. Uh, yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. Like yeah, if we were just doing two dimensional propaganda. Yeah. Yes. Like that's something else. Monuments and that <laughs> right. and that goofy right. shit. Like, right. No, and, I, I and, and there's something statue. to that. Yeah. There's something. I mean, I, I can appreciate propaganda. I mean, yeah. propaganda is amoral. Like depends who it is. Is it <laughs> yeah. you know the Soviet Union or is it you know us? Yeah. There's a big difference, but. But that also is a two-dimensional or more two-dimensional thing. You're talking about something that you are trying to make everything very three-dimensional yeah. and bring a sense of humanity to it, right? 
what is the title of all this, of this display or this installation? Wish you were here. The obvious question, why? Uh, because there is... Uh, you know it's all all the people that that see this work and and wish that somebody they knew could have seen it um, and for me it's like my dad yeah how much of this did he say <clears throat> um he he saw i was actually painting those the PTSD piece in his uh, hospital room so he saw me painting until he died. Did he say anything about it? He couldn't. Yeah. So I made sure he saw it, though. He nodded his head. He smiled. So he knew what was going on. How close are you to finishing up the piece about him? I'm going to start it in a couple days. Wow. Yeah. I got something uh, that I should probably show you that's a part of it, too. Sure. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if artists are supposed to do this kind of thing <laughs> before, we, before we start pieces. So. Oh. When I was home. Uh, going through his like the wow. discharge papers yeah. and all those things I was talking about before. Um, yeah, Jay, you can take it off. We yeah. we found uh, like all of his old medals. That's how I know about you know him being an E five and all that stuff. Um, his the patches, the spare patches that he had from his uniform. So he's well, third eye. The that wow. and that. So yeah, that. There's, There's a, a certificate he got from that for the marksman thing. Um, and then I found a whole bunch of spare yeah. uh, name badges. So, And I saw you got – there was some metal over there oh, yeah. that he had too, right? Oh, yeah. I, I can't, unfortunately, I can't incorporate that in piece. But um, – so, yeah. And, th again, like these are things that he got – and he yeah. never he never talked about this with me ever. Wow. This is the first time I've ever seen these. It was after he passed away. Like all of these things that he had. Wow. Yeah. Guys AM. I'm not great on badges and, and ribbons, but yeah, I mean he's he's got some stuff. Um I mean, the fact that you've never seen this, I think, is the most overpowering to me. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's a legacy. It's a, it's a part of his life. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, it doesn't, you know, anybody, you know, does this. doesn't matter for how long. Like, it leaves a mark. And to not have known that and been able to talk about it, I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. And you're going to incorporate this stuff? So, work? I want to sew some of these patches onto the painting because you know one thing i've learned along the way now is you can't take this shit with you yeah you right, know right i don't have kids either and i don't plan on having them ever um so i want my dad's story to live on forever 
<laughs> and uh, this is how I'm going to do it. Do you already know what the piece is going to look like? Do you have a design ready? Or uh, yeah. Concept? Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's okay. there. I, I don't want to. No, no. You don't I have don't to talk about it. No, no. Too much no. there. But yeah, but, it's in, but you know where you're going with it already. Oh, yeah. What what's the uh, what's the wet dream? What happens with all this stuff? So, I have recently <clears throat> completed a uh, a deck for an overview of mm-hmm. the exhibit itself, and I've um, begun reaching out uh, to some military museums mm-hmm. and some other spaces like institutions. Uh, I want this work to get the proper place. Um, and I've also, obviously I'm an independent artist. Um, I have been reaching out to a lot of the people that have given me, uh, you know, stories to paint about as well, to help talk to people who are in places where they could potentially help. Um, cause this is a huge undertaking. And I thought that painting was going to be the, the tough part. Painting is the fucking easy part. <laughs> it's the second part um, that's that, getting it out there. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've done I've done my own exhibits in the past with great success. Um, I've done crowdsourcing and I, I don't want to do that um, to complete this project. It's it's kind of a it's a it's a heavy undertaking yeah. uh, financially as well. So there is some talk about know, that. Why need? Well, yeah. So Why is it? with the, the storytelling aspect, okay. um, the voices of the soldiers, um, each piece is going to have an animation that accompanies it. And what would happen is the viewer would stand like, there'd be like a, a monitor in front of each piece. You would see an, the animation of the painting coming together. And as the painting comes together through an animation, that's where the soldier's story is heard. And like a domino effect in an immersive scenario, the you know the animation would move down the line from monitor to monitor. Each one of these pieces has its own monitor. Yes. So it's like a huge, kind of like a performance in yeah. a way. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the, if I knew how to use a computer, <laughs> it might be a little bit easier. Right. Um, but, you know, I... I that's not my. That's so not you my don't strength. have the video yet with the animation all coming together. The animations. There's a preliminary animation that's been made for the painting of the boy waving. Okay. Um, but the rest of the pieces need their animation to go along with them. Um, I have an amazingly talented uh, friend who is a teammate of mine from art school who does that stuff, um, and yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be my guy to do that. And then I have another another guy who's uh, conducting the interviews, and he's based in Florida. Um, really good guy as well. And uh, yeah, you know, I've got I've got a really strong support system behind me. Um, now it's just getting all those pieces in place. So, how much money does it need? A bit. Do you want to put a dollar to it? Not really. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. But so, if any but if anybody wants to help, what do they need to do? Well, it's kind of a chicken or the egg situation because I have to secure dates with spaces first. Okay. Um, because a lot of the the cost associated with these sorts of things, you know, it would it includes the shipping, the insurance, sure, those types of things, sure. Um, and then you know the the animation audio stuff is a, a completely separate component. So for that, like, you know, if you're 
for the people that don't know, know about that stuff or how it could potentially work, you know, um, somebody like a corporate type of sponsor can, can give the funds to said venue mm -hmm. to then distribute mm -hmm. for completion of the project. So, you know, this is more of like a, a corporate yep. collaborative yep. thing. So if people um, want to reach out, if a corporate rep wants to reach out or if people want to loop their employer in because they work for somebody big and do something like that, um, looking at you, everybody for general dynamics <laughs> and other people like that. Um, what do they do? How do they reach you? They can, any one of the social media platforms, I'm on all of them. I'm, my parents made my life a little bit difficult with that because it's Mitchell with one L and it's Kaufman, C-O-F-F-M-A-N. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely had some good, um, some good feedback on LinkedIn because the military community yeah. is enormous on there. Um, and I've had, like I said, I've had friends who have begun, you know, helping, uh, seek these things out for me. Um, which you can never do anything like this by yourself. I am not a foolish person to mm -hmm. think that I could. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I started it in 2016 and here we are. So it's a long time coming. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do people need to do? Reach out to you, follow you on socials website. I do have a website. It needs some updating, but yeah, it's just mitchellkaufman.com. Um, yeah. Uh, any of the social media, Instagram, I even, I got, man, during the pandemic, I got TikTok. Oh, really? I'm trying to get Supporting savvy. the CCP? Yeah. Supporting the Chinese <laughs> government? Got you. Exactly how long you've been working for Beijing? Okay, cool. Yeah, so like Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok. Uh, yeah, any of that, any of that, those things. I'm, I'm there on all of them. All right, dude, uh, this has been a fucking orgy of cool shit. I mean, there's so much like... It's incredibly, first off, it's fucking awesome to do this podcast and have visual support around here. I feel like I'm fucking spoiled right now. But to sit here, it's like taking a little dive into your brain. Um, that's the first time I've seen this, all the man. pieces together as well. It's That's fucking wild. Yeah. That's fucking wild. Because, I mean, you get a sense just sitting in this room and being surrounded by it of like what the exhibit could look like. Yeah. And when it's fully mounted. I mean, that's a hell of a thing. Dude, um, thanks for doing this. No, thank you for having me. Like, this is such a great opportunity. Listen, I, I'm so appreciative of it. Listen, for us as well. And um, we'll keep in touch. We'll keep in touch. And I can't wait to see how things unspool. Hell yeah, they will. That was Mitchell Kaufman's profile in Havoc. So one of the things I didn't really tee up is that we were, <laughs> I should have said that in the intro, we were filming. Um, it. It's actually um, because this is one of the podcast episodes that's going to get piggybacked. Uh, on both Profiles and Havoc and on the Savage Wonder channel for Veterans Repertory Theater. Um, the video is only going to be on VetRep's YouTube channel. Um, so that will be forthcoming, so don't worry. If you're not seeing it right now, you will. <clears throat> um, but I think the audio captures an awful lot and gives you all a good teaser of what is to come. So go check out the YouTube video forthcoming on VetRep's channel on YouTube. And you will see uh, Mitchell in person and see the work, you know, and what it actually looks like and see the, a bit of the exhibit. Wish you were here. Okay, we started off this episode by thanking this episode's first sponsor, Second Mission Foundation. Now I need to take a second and thank this episode's other sponsor, 
my own nonprofit, Veterans Repertory Theater. Veterans Repertory Theater exists to reinvigorate American theater through the work of veteran artists and writers. Sorry, I got distracted. I thought somebody was outside for a second. One of those moments. Anyway, um, yeah. <clears throat> so at Vet Rep, we find veteran writers, veteran artists. We have a very liberal definition of veteran. We include immediate family members, uh, military, law enforcement, fire, EMS, intelligence services, foreign service, DOD, employees and contractors, and their immediate family members. That's the whole uh, gamut of people that we include as our artistic base. And then through their work, we are finding ways to reinvigorate American theater and the live performance arts. There is a ton of news coming up at VetRep. I'm not going to get into it right now. The best thing you can do is go to VetRep.org, V-E-T-R-E-P.org, VetRep.org. While you are there, scroll a little bit down the homepage. You will see the option to subscribe for free to our literary blog. When you do that, you will receive a little bit of veteran writing, poetry, fiction, creative nonfiction, or veteran artwork in your email inbox every single day. And then it's followed by a bunch of shameless plugs of whatever we have going on, or sometimes news bulletins about stuff we, you know, we're announcing. So you hear about it before we put out press releases or anything else. And we have a lot of stuff we are about to announce. So that will be very worth your while if you want to know what's going on with us to subscribe there. Again, go to vetrep.org, V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org. Okay, my thanks to Mitchell Kaufman for being a very gracious host and letting us into his uh, into his uh, house his, or apartment in his studio. And uh, my thanks to Mike Neal for putting this episode together. And on behalf of everybody at Havoc Journal, Thank you to you guys for listening. We'll see you next time for another Profile in Havoc. 